The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field team. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I can tell you this. I'm still beaming from the winter meetings. What an experience that was. The type of experience that we have now made it a priority with the A's that we must be there every year. So last year was in Vegas. This year, San Diego. Next year is Dallas. And I think the year after that is is Nashville. So we got to be there every single year. It was fabulous. And I I really, really hope you enjoyed all the different guests. We had so many guests. We wanted to make it like Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And every big name at the Super Bowl rolls through Radio Row. Well, the same thing happened here. So I hope you enjoyed all the A's, all the non-A's. Because that was awesome. What wasn't awesome is what happened yesterday. I have covered a lot of bad losses in the history of the Oakland Coliseum. Gut-riching losses. Losses that bring tears to your eyes. That loss yesterday by the Raiders in their last game was heartbreaking and it ripped the hearts right out of 50 plus thousand Raider fans and a lot of you are A's fans also that was tough to watch it was tough to broadcast it was tough to stomach and yesterday was a very emotional day for a lot of people I saw people cry people that I talked to cried I I, I'm not going to mention any names But I know two grown men who cried on the sidelines. Because it's finally real. It's all real. Oakland, you've lost two teams. I I don't know of any other town that that's happened. You've lost two major league franchises in the same year. You lost the Golden State Warriors to San Francisco. And you lost the Raiders to Las Vegas. No more denial. You know, Commander Cody, who did an unreal job in San Diego, put in front of me the five stages of grief. I think everybody's in stage two right now. Stage one is denial. But there's no more denial. 
Warriors play over at the Chase Center. They're never coming back. Raiders are going to play in Las Vegas. They're never coming back. I don't know how City Hall is taking it. I don't know how Alameda County is taking it. I think some people don't care. I think the East Bay should be outraged. I understand the anger part. Next is bargaining, then depression, and then acceptance. I think you need to accept this. If it wasn't for Bud Selig, you wouldn't have a team. Bud Selig forced the A's to stay in Oakland. And now this new group with John Fisher, Dave Cavill, Chris Giles are doing everything they can to build a new ballpark in Oakland. Before the show, we were kicking it around. And I used the year 1990. I want to say unless we're missing something, that every single town in America that has professional sports has built some type of building since 1990. Brand new. Not re- not renovated. Brand new. I'm talking football, baseball, basketball, hockey, some type of building that's brand new. Only place that I can think of that hasn't, unless I'm missing something, is Oakland. And because of that, they've lost two teams. Renovating, in a lot of ways, is short-sighted. You're renovating something that's old. Like Mount Davis... That was such a bad idea. I mean, really, a horrible, horrible idea. I don't know whose exact idea and design, but having been around this a long time now, what's better is to just tear it down and build new. Renovating is just putting a Band-Aid on it. Has anybody noticed that the arena now is just Oakland Arena? It's no more Oracle. Boy, they ripped those those uh they ripped those letters off that arena pretty fast. Yeah, Oracle said, "We're out of here." It's now just the Oakland Arena. That's why everybody has to get on board and do everything they can to get a shovel into the ground for the Oakland A's in Oakland. The shot has been fired already by the commissioner. You need to get this done. And a lot was about the lawsuit, Oakland against Alameda County, which is gone now. But people really need to get on, everybody's got to get on board. And you got to get a shovel into the ground. You're talking about an area that lost the NFL and the NBA. It's unheard of. And you're now talking about what I think is the only town 
major town in the United States that hasn't built anything new. I mean, it, you got to be proactive. I think you, the people of Oakland and Alameda County, you need to stand up. You need to make calls. You need to send emails. A lot of jobs have been lost. People who take that money, they get taxed on that money. These jobs are gone. These events are gone. All those NBA games, gone. NFL games, gone. You guys got to fight for what you got. I can't do anything about it. I live in Santa Clara County. It's you, the people of the East Bay. You're losing these very valuable properties right in front of your eyes. Could you, can you imagine what this would be like in a different type of town? Can you imagine if Chicago was losing the Bears and the Bulls, what Chicago would be doing right now? What do you think Chicago, what are they, Chicagoans or something like that? Hello, Commander Cody. Hello. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, let me let me look that up, what they call Chicago natives, because I can't really pinpoint it off the top of my head. And I have no idea. I'll look it up. But do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you want, you want the people in that town to reach out okay. and voice their opinion. Where are you from? I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay, let's say the Steelers and the Penguins were leaving. Well, the Penguins. This is where I, I'm glad you brought that up. The Penguins almost left earlier in this de- earlier in the yeah, the 2000 the this decade. Or Mario 2000. Lemieux saved them. Lemieux saved hockey. They were going to move to Kansas City to play hockey. The fans and everyone wanted them to stay, and they wanted the new arena. Mellon Arena was old. It was decrepit. It was falling apart. So now they have the new arena. It was Consol Energy. Now it's PP. PPG Paints Arena now in Pittsburgh. Beautiful arena for hockey, concert venue, everything. But everyone spoke out for it. Every every arena in Pittsburgh is new. Heinz Field is new. PNC Park is new. PPG, PPG Paints Arena is new. You mentioned Kansas City because that was one of the towns where you said, oh, they've just renovated. Yeah, you got Arrowhead and Kaufman are both pretty old. No, they got an arena. They built an arena trying to lure an NBA or hockey team called the Sprint Center. So I think like Kansas or K-State will play there in concerts and everything. They don't even have a team, and they built a brand new arena. That was, I think, the hopes of that was when they were trying to, ho- hopefully, trying to try to land the Penguins, and that fell through. But they, they have that arena now for concert venues, and who knows? Maybe down the road they do get something. But the fa- you're you're right. Fans in other places are gonna, st- you know, they're, they would Chicago would riot. Boston, oh, they'd be going nuts. Boston and New York, they would probably burn the city down. But I can, I know that because I lived on the East Coast soldiers. I know what Philadelphia, same thing. And this is what I fear, and I'm not trying to take shots at everybody. But I think the majority of the fans that go to these games are not exactly people who live in Oakland. And I asked this question to a friend of mine who was a part of the group Save Oakland Sports. And he said, well, you know, out of all the people that are involved in this, probably two-thirds don't live in actual the city of Oakland. I mean, I, I left Oakland last night. I want. I mean, where? Where is there? Is there up? Is there some going at City Hall where there's a bunch of people there who are upset? I don't know. 
I haven't seen any TV coverage. I haven't seen anything on Twitter. Where is everybody in Oakland upset that you've lost another team? Like we said, if this was Chicago, if this was whoever, maybe this just the Bay Area. I mean, the Giants had one foot out the door heading to St. Petersburg because they lost not one, but two votes in San Jose. They tried to move to San Jose. You know, where was where was the where was the uprising at City Hall in San Francisco when the Niners went to Santa Clara? Maybe it's just our area. I mean, look how Sacramento reacted to the Kings going to Seattle. People were pissed. They were going nuts in Sacramento. And they've built a new building. Where's the uprising? How do you lose this and not have people losing their minds? And, you know, when the commissioner used Las Vegas about the A's, you know, I don't know if that was just kind of a, a trolling type deal where, you know, because he knows the, the, the Raiders are going there. But that, you know, there are towns in the United States of America who are open for business. They want teams. They don't want to lose teams. They want teams. And they'll do anything they can to help those teams. I've seen it. Go around the country. I mean, every, every, every you know, everybody just wants, oh, just build it where the Coliseum is. There's three teams that are telling you they don't want to be there. Warriors don't want to be there. Raiders don't want to be there. A's don't want to be there. A's want to have business there, and A's want to use the property and, and make it really nice for people who live in the area and use that to help pay for the new ballpark, Jack London. Nobody wants to play there. Everybody's been trying to force these teams to stay right there. It's the location. It's barred. It's all the stuff that we've heard. Teams don't want to be there. But you go to other cities, man, they did everything they could for their teams. I mean, I, I recently in Minnesota, beautiful ballpark, beautiful football stadium. The arena is right now. I mean, the arena is right next door to the baseball stadium. It's all new. They value professional sports. Look what they've done in Philly. Look where they've done. I mean, and now California's tougher to build. It's not easy. But at some point, what do you value? I'm hoping that people are going to value the A's and we saw the outrage, but is that outrage still going to be strong today, next week, the week after? You need to let the people who represent you, who you voted for, you need to let them know, county-wise, city-wise, that 
losing the A's, it can't happen. It just cannot happen. And you have to stop being in denial with this whole, oh, they're not leaving. Right? How many people out there thought, no, they're not leaving. Raiders aren't going to leave. Warriors won't leave. Joe Lacob and the Warriors won't be able to get an arena over there. Not going to happen. A lot of people said that, right? I mean, in our talk radio days, I you should have seen our text line. It should have been called the denial line. <laughs> All right? Because every single time we talked about it, here came the trolls. You guys don't know what you're talking about. They should build right there where 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 they have the land there, 66 and Hagenberg. They should all their Warriors aren't going to San Francisco. Raiders aren't leaving. Cody, I don't want it just coming from me. The text line at the old radio, radio would call us all idiots for talking about it. Yeah, they all thought no one thought the Warriors were leaving. They thought no, they're staying at Oakland. They're essentially they 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 were they've been in Oakland since the seventies. They what played at Oracle Arena for pretty much what since the late sixties, early seventies. They were there for what Oracle rounds for what forty seven years. I think that ba- the Warriors raised that banner forty seven for for Oracle, and it, but no one wanted to believe that they were. There's no way they can get a ball, you know, a new arena in San Francisco. No so way, no, no way. You can't play in China Basin. There's not enough room over there. Giants so, won't allow it. Blah blah blah. Do, do we still have our text line? By the way, uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd like to throw it because we can't take phone calls. I'd like to throw it out there. Like, you know, the denial stage is over. They're gone. They, by the way, the Warriors are two and ten at their new arena this year. It's kind of a tough, tough sled it's, in these it's days. A, it's a tough year for the Warriors. It's a tough, t- tough year for the. It's, it's a tough watch. Yeah, they they lost my king. They lost to my Kings the other night, last night. So my Kings, seventh in the West. Here we come. Hey, did I jump off that ship at the right time? I think. I think. Uh, well, I mean, I did too. My la- my last no, my last year was the last title they won. Oh yeah, my last year, my last couple days was before they went to the finals. Yes. So they were still NBA champions when I left. Oof, that is tough. That's a tough sell right now. Five and twenty-three record right now. But you guys all thought that wasn't going to happen, and I'm, I'm, I'm and I'm and, I, and I'm being real honest. It was hundreds of texts, as Cody's like agreeing. It was hundreds of texts of nobody's leaving. You guys don't know what you're talking about. You guys are just trying to rally up the fans. And it was just hundreds of texts every single day. It was almost the same thing with the Raiders, too. No one thought the Raiders were going to leave. Nope, they're and not going to leave. Of, and I was one of them, too, being naive to the area, not knowing that, hey, yeah, they moved back in the 80s to L.A. and came back, but it's like, okay, they're not going to Vegas. And I always said, until they put a shovel in the ground, I don't want to – I don't want to believe that anyone's leaving. And then, well, they put the shovel on the ground in Vegas and the shovel on the ground in San Francisco, and they left. People will pony up for teams. You know, people are still pissed that the Niners moved to Santa Clara. Well, guess what? Santa Clara stepped up. Vegas is giving the biggest amount of public money in the history of professional sports in this country. When talking about building stuff, uh, Vegas builds stuff pretty fast. They're open for business. Oakland, you got to be open for business. You got one team left. One. 
you've lost properties like no one else has ever lost before in the history of sports. We've seen teams move, but not in the same year. Two different sports in the same year? I mean, wow. That's devastating. And now we're talking about a process of not getting a new stadium until 2023. And the great news is now the Coliseum can truly just be baseball. And now Dave Cavill and Chris Giles can continue to make changes to make it a more baseball-friendly place. But you have to realize the Coliseum is done. That was one thing I noticed yesterday. Like, Raider people were putting on a good face, but they're out of here. They can't wait to get out of here. They don't want to play there anymore. And what you don't understand, if you don't travel and you don't see what other people's facilities look like, other people's facilities are amazing. The Coliseum's old, 1966. It's had its day. But it's time for something new, time for something modern. Look at what baseball is saying to minor league baseball teams. Saying your stadiums are are not adequate for, for professional athletes. That's what they're looking at with the Coliseum. This is not by Major League Baseball standards anymore. And if you got to travel around and see other stadiums and infrastructure, you would know Coliseum's done. It's just it, it's 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 had its time. It's served its purpose. The A's should have been out of this building years ago. And we're still talking 2023. And if you want to keep this core group of young players, they got to know something's happening. Otherwise, they'll be out of here. That's just that that's reality. You got to show them that there is going to be a shovel in the ground. Scott Boris said it, said it to us when he was on the show. Talk about Chapman. He talked about that, and then he took us to Japan and Korea, Asia. And, and yeah, we went everywhere, and then it came back to Oakland. But he was saying, like, you know, if you want to, you got to got to get a new ballpark. And I, they're Dave and 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 Chris and everyone with the in the in the our real real estate team. Everyone they're working towards building a new ballpark. But Scott alluded to it. You have to have the ballpark to get these guys to stay. Yeah, we 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 did the interview with the real estate team for Ace Cast, and it was fascinating. These people are doing everything they can. The A's are trying to do everything they can. And they need the city to be on board 100%. I even see people today on Twitter, like not today, but I've seen recently where they don't get the the, the two-property system. 
but you need to be on board. Because if you're not, that's when it starts to get scary. Baseball is not going to allow this to go on for, for, for that much longer. I mean, look what they did with Tampa. They start talking about, yeah, you can play half your games in Montreal. Montreal's open for business. Portland, supposedly open for business. Las Vegas, we know they're open for business. And and Vegas comes up with money just out of nowhere. They snap their fingers, and there's money. You don't think Las Vegas would want 81 home dates? They're now talking about Nashville. Baseball wants to expand to 32 teams. That's why they want to get Tampa and Oakland healthy and then expand. I don't want to threaten anybody. Why? I don't need to threaten anybody. You've just lost the NBA and the NFL in the same year. That should be the biggest threat of them all. That should scare the you-know-what out of you. I mean, I there should be people at City Hall right now. Right now complaining. Think they are? You think we're going to see on the news? It's Christmas time, probably not. Thousands of people at City Hall demanding, questioning, wondering, how do we lose our teams? Um, no, it's Christmas time. So I, I don't think it's going to happen. It should happen, but I just don't think it, it's going to. And I think the way sports fans look at it, they don't view, they don't understand the business taxes and all the stuff that these, like the Warriors were paying, that they're now, they've taken that to San Francisco. Like, you don't think that. You still think, oh, we didn't lose the Warriors. They're just in San Francisco. Yeah, you lost the Warriors. Man. I hate talking about this, but, I mean, I had to live this thing yesterday. It was a disaster. And at, the game was a disaster, but the whole thing was a disaster. Like, it was like, you know, they, they, they paid some tributes to, to Oakland on the screen. But, you know, the bottom line is they've all moved to Vegas. They're all happy. No state income taxes. By, by being paid the exact same amount of money here, going to Vegas, you, that's a pay raise. Their housing, way cheaper. They're all living out in Henderson. Henderson's nice. I've actually played golf out there. So you get a pay raise and you get cheaper land. Folks, you need to step up and do your part. Start making phone calls. Start emailing. Make sure that everybody is on board. Everybody is on board about getting this thing done at Jack London. We'll get back to baseball next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So, Rep Bollinger covers the Angels for MLB.com. We're going to check in after they sign Anthony Rendon. $245 million. 
Artie Moreno spins. I give him credit. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go for it. It's just, how are they going to get 27 outs? They have no guys on their roster that have over 100 innings pitched from last season. Trevor Cahill, the only one gone, and he was hanging out in the winter meetings with us in the, at the Hyatt down in San Diego. Looking for a job. By the way, I uh, got a little something for you. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. So according to John Heyman of the MLB Network, Ivisiel Garcia agrees to a two-year deal worth $20 million with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brew Crew. The Brewers trying to beef up that lineup after they lost Grandal and Moustakis at Garcia, who hit 20 home runs last year, had a two, an even two war, and drove in 72 runs with the Tampa Bay Rays. So a nice year last year for Garcia, who's 28 years old, will turn 29 during the season. A lot of comparisons to him young early in his career to a mini Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, how'd that work out? Um, well, he's only about um, 400 home runs behind Miguel Cabrera for career home runs. He's at 96 career. I think Cabrera's closing in on 500. Ain't it funny that, like, 10 mil a year just seems like nothing? I mean, 10 mil a year does not seem like... To the Brewers, that's a lot. They don't pay guys. But what's $10 million? For two years, okay. It makes sense. I mean, Milwaukee's making money, for God's sakes. I mean, it's not like it's not like they're broke. And Yelich only makes like $13 million a year right now or fifteen. So he has a very uh, oh, team-friendly deal. He's not staying there. Yelich will be like a New York Yankee. Or maybe a Met, as now the Mets are looking to get into uh, – they, they 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 now have that big hedge fund guy, whoever his name is, that Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen, the big hedge fund billionaire, he's going to want to spend supposedly. And what are you going to do with Shohei Otani? I mean, I, I the guy's got to play. You can't be giving him three days off a week. You just can't be doing that. He's got to pitch and he's got to hit. I mean, if I'm if I'm him, I'm like, stop babying me. You know, it's whole okay. He can't play the day before he pitches. He can't can't hit the day pitches. He's not going to hit maybe the day after he pitches. Like, are you kidding me? This guy's an absolute weapon. He's the Japanese Babe Ruth, as Mark Gubazaw told us. Yeah, this guy's legit both ways. Do we have Rhett? Rhett, Chris Townsend with the A's. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. We are doing well. We just got back from the winter meetings and, and a lot of news. And uh, Anthony Rendon, did you see that coming down for the Halos? Not, you know, at the start of the winter meetings. Coming into it, I thought for sure they're going to go after pitching. I thought that, you know, Garrett Cole would be their top target. I just thought all winter. Uh, Steven Strasburg was kind of also in the mix, uh, you know, kind of heading into the winter meetings. So that first day on Monday, that first domino fell with Strasburg. I kind of thought, okay, they didn't go all in on, you know, on Cole. And there was also some kind of reports at the time kind of linking them to some third base. And I thought, well, they could always pivot. And sure enough, once, you know, Cole went off the board, I really thought for sure they are going to go after a guy like Rendon. So I think that Artie Moreno really wanted to make a splash this offseason. He wanted to get an impact player. 
Um, and, I, and he did it, but he knows definitely a surprise in a sense that he was a position player considering how much pitching they need. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I respect about Artie is the fact that he's always trying to win. He's always spending money. He's always trying to win. And, and as fans, you like that because we are in a time where we see so many teams – that will just punt, and they don't want to. That you know, oh, we're going to reload or we're going to rebuild. I like the fact that Arnie Moreno does doesn't he doesn't ever do that. Exactly, I do think fans definitely appreciate that, and he's going for it. And even the decision to you know kind of move on from Osmus that quickly when Joe Madden became available. Obviously, Madden had ties to the Angels, but I think same thing. I think Arnie wanted to kind of excite the fan base a little bit, bring in a known manager that's you know kind of one of the biggest names out there, if not one of the biggest name managers out there. And then sure enough, like I said, to kind of pivot and go after Rendon, a guy that most people never would have thought uh, the Angels would go after just because they have a, you know, a pretty solid infield already with Lestella, who was an all-star, and David Fletcher, kind of a breakout guy, and obviously Simmons uh, at shortstop. So they had a little bit of infield depth, so it was kind of a surprise. But, yeah, Artie wants to kind of spend his money and try to win because it's been a while since they were in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rendon's a hell of a player. There's no question. And the infield just got a lot better. My question is, how are the Angels going to get 27 outs? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's what they're trying to figure it out right now. Uh, I do think they're still going to be active active out there, both in free agency and on the trade market. I, I see them adding definitely at least one starter, but uh, possibly even two. Um, you know, as far as free agency, uh, still you know looking at Dallas Keuchel as a potential option, especially considering uh, that left side of that infield is going to be pretty darn good defensively with Rendon and, and Simmons. Um, you know, Hunter and Ryu uh, could be potential as well. Um, on the trade front, I think David Price is a candidate for sure with Boston, especially if they take on a little bit of the money, if Boston started to eat some of that money. Um, so there's some options out there. But, yeah, as it stands right now, you know, you have Otani at the top. But he's only going to pitch once a week. And then Andrew Heaney and Dylan Bundy. And after that, it's a bunch of kind of young kids. Griffin Canning has a lot of potential. Um, you know, some of those guys, they, some young kids, they're all 21, 22. You know, Berea, Suarez, Sandoval. So they don't really have that much depth. So you got to figure they got to get at least two more uh, starters to kind of add to that mix. Yeah, I think about Otani, and his skill set is just incredible. And we've talked with Mark Gubazaw about it, where I, I would love to see him hit and pitch in the All-Star game and also do home run derby. I mean, he's, I mean, he's the Japanese Babe Ruth. He's amazing. But at some point, is it Otani or somebody say, you got to stop babying this guy. And he's got to be in the lineup almost on an everyday basis. And he needs to pitch every five days if, if you're going to have a shot at either taking down the Astros or the A's. Yeah, I think some of that's going to get to the doctors in terms of, especially right now with, the, with the Tommy John. Um, but I do think you're right. I think that, and I think talking to you know, Joe Madden at the winter meetings, he's kind of more all in on the let's stop babying him. Our players, his exact quote, are not China dolls. Let's not act like they're all going to break. Um, you know, Tony obviously is a special talent. In a rare case that he can do both, so there is a little bit of risk. But um, and you know, and Madden's the same thing. The winter meetings, he wants to bat Otani on the days that he pitches, um, and kind of lose the DH just because Otani's bat is so valuable in there. And um, you know, I think there'll always be a chance that maybe you don't DH in the day before he pitches, just because of the risk of, of injury, or even just because he gets hurt that day. Then all of a sudden, now your rotation's kind of scrambled for a starter for the next day. But yeah, I do think that we'll see more of that once he kind of can prove that he's fully healthy. I and mean, there is a little bit of a hurdle here. Here he's not quite done with the rehab yet. Uh, from Tommy John, I think he'll be done with that here around Christmas time, and then from there they'll kind of figure out the rest of his plan um, in terms of you know when he's going to pitch and kind of come up with this whole season plan. But right now it's still kind of in limbo. But I do think going forward, I think the Angels will be more aggressive with it. 
uh, we've had Billy Epler on the program. I like him a lot. He's a good guy. Where is he right now with job security with Artie Moreno? It's a good question. I mean, I think right now if, if these signings do pan out, if he, obviously I think that uh, the fact that they got rid of Joan was, was a big thing, and then obviously even locking up Trout the way they did before the start of the season well, it was a huge deal. And, you know, obviously last year they, they struck out on pretty much every single one-year deal. But, you know, this offseason they're trying to be more aggressive and not getting those kind of guys that are kind of, you know, flyers, you could say, like last year with Harvey, Cahill, those kind of guys. They're actually going after impact talent. But I guess it just kind of depends on how they do this season. You know, right now, you know, Epler's in the last year of his deal. Um, if they have a really disappointing year, you can see them moving on. But, if, you know, if they have a you know really good year, and uh, I, I can see them obviously extending Epler. He's done a good job of building the farm system when he took over. It was definitely one of the worst in baseball. It's gotten much better. Uh, Joe Adele is going to be the kind of the crown jewel of that class. So um, I, I think that signing Rendon was a, p- a positive thing for them to kind of get an impact guy that could help them win more games next year. But I do think some of it's kind of in limbo until we see how this team does on the field. So for the fan base, bringing Joe Madden back, did it really fire up the fan base? Did the fan base just go, eh? What, what, was, what was it like bringing Joe Madden back to the Angels? It actually surprisingly did fire up the fan base. I was surprised by the reaction. People on, you know, social media were excited. Just the whole press conference was a big deal for people. And um, I think even some of the old school fans were kind of excited because he you know, was with the organization for so long from the late 70s till you know, the, the 2000s, you know, until he took over the Rays job. So was part of that World Series winning team. Um, he's always been a likable character even before he was, you know, manager of the Rays. I think the old school fans know that. But, yeah, I mean, just the fact that he brings a culture of winning, you know, the, the teams that he won with in Tampa and, those, you know, all those teams he won with in Chicago. Um, I think they were kind of also ready for a culture change just with, you know, obviously last year was, was a rough year for a lot of reasons. Um, I think they kind of wanted a little bit more excitement and just more fun in the clubhouse for the players, too. So um, I think the players are kind of on board um, right now for a little bit of a, you know, culture change, too. And I think that, yeah, I think the fans, I was surprised. They actually really were uh, pretty excited to get a, a guy like that. Because like I said, there's not too many managers out there that are big enough names that fans would really care too much. But I do think that Madden, just because he's so different and off the wall and kind of, you know, kind of brings that energy, I think that, it, you know, it was a big enough of a little bit of a splash. But I think the fans would have been mad if they didn't go out and get a, a guy like Rendon. I think at least Madden was a good start of the offseason. Well, I got to tell you, it's huge for a guy like you because covering someone like Joe Madden is like a dream. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The stories I'm going to hear and just, oh, yeah, he's even he had a nice little brunch with him at the winter meetings uh, on that Wednesday. And just, yeah, just a great storyteller and uh, definitely knows how to, you know, respect the media. And, yeah, it's just going to be fun to, to interact with him all throughout the season. And, you know, we have a pretty small beat compared to Chicago, too. So I'm sure he's used to that from his time in Tampa, but at least it'd be kind of fun to kind of get to know him and, yeah, hear all his stories. And just, yeah, it's going to be a dream to cover him for sure. Where did the Angels finish up in Garrett Cole? How high did they go? You know, they went up to almost $300 million. It was a little below what the Dodgers offered. Um, it's hard to say. I think Cole was always kind of between the, the Angels and the Yankees, though it seemed like in general in terms of his preferences, just because he's an Orange County guy and um, you know, grew up close to Angel Stadium, went to high school five miles away from the stadium, but you know, grew up a Yankees fan too. And I think what it came down to, though, was just he wanted to – it's according to what Scott Boris told us uh, the other day was that, that that Cole really wanted just to join a, a ready-made winner, and I, I just don't think the Angels were quite there yet. Um, if the Angels had a stack roster the way the Yankees do, I think that it would have probably been a no-brainer for him to go back home and do that. But, um, you know, when the Yankees are outbidding you, and uh, the Angels also never were willing to go to what the Yankees offered to, so I'm sure it made it a lot easier for Cole to get the most money offered and also 
uh, get a chance to play for a team that's you know built to win a championship. Um, but I do think if they had a better roster, they probably would have had a better chance. But I, I do think that Cole kind of got what he wanted, though, and he's going to go to a, obviously a really good team. So I think about the Dodgers north of you. They got under the luxury. They got under the luxury tax, so they got away from that luxury tax hell. They got money to spend, but they haven't spent money. Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I am surprised by that. And I, you know, being down here in the area, I have a lot of friends that are Dodger fans, and I hear from them all the time, and they're they're angry. Dodger fans are an angry bunch right now, despite the fact their teams won what like seven or eight division titles in a row. They want their World Series. You know, it's been forever for that to happen. And as much as this front office has done a great job and really consistent winner, they don't really ever seem to go all in ever in the off season or, you know, they make those kind of deadline trades for, you know, Machado or Darvish, but they never really go all in or get that premium free agent. And, you know, last year they went out and got Pollock and that didn't really work out in that first year. Um, so yeah, to see all these names go off the board and to see Kluber get traded for what he got traded for from the Rangers. Um, I think that Dodgers fans want to splash and I don't really know what splashes are out there still. And, you know, to see the Angels get Rendon, another guy that the Dodgers were interested in but never even made an offer to. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think I am surprised. And they got to get creative, I guess, because they're still, they're still the best team in that division and probably in the NL and, uh, even without any more added additions. But I think they need to go kind of make that splash because the fan base uh, really wants that World Series. Yeah, and Andrew Friedman, it's like, hey, you're not in Tampa anymore. You're in Los Angeles. And this is a place exactly. where stars, LeBron James came to the Lakers. This is a star-driven town, even in Orange County, where you have Mike Trout, who's the greatest player of his generation, and then you bring in Anthony Rendon. you got the Angels spending, and it's like, it's like it, 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 as much success as they've had, as you said, Dodger fans are not going to care unless you win a World Series. Oh, totally. Yeah, and even for the Angels to bring in Otani over the Dodgers, and uh, you know, even the Pujols deal at the time, the Angels have you know haven't been afraid to spend. Some of it hasn't really worked out, but they've been kind of like Moreno's been the guy who's willing to spend. Um, but the Dodgers said, obviously, they, it's impressive that what they built, that their depth and their farm system, everything. It's just a winning organization. But yeah, I do think just as a, for the fans, like they just want that World Series so bad, they don't care. If, who they trade or what they do or who they spend. But it's just clear this front or that they don't want to go over that luxury tax or go all in, and I think that kind of frustrates the fans. Um, we'll see. Like I said, I don't really know what kind of move, maybe if they can trade for Lindor, but that might not happen now too uh, after the Kluber trade. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what they end up doing. Let's end on this. I know from where we stand with the A's that there's people not happy with the Houston Astros, and the A's are a team that – They've known some funny business has been going on for a while. What's the take like down there by Angel people about what, what's been happening in Houston? Yeah, I don't think anyone's too surprised by any of it. Um, I think there's always been whispers about certain teams. and Yeah, I mean, the Astros have been disliked by just about everybody in, in baseball for a long time now in terms of the way they kind of conduct themselves and, and everything else. You know, and obviously some of it could be some of the, you know, the fact they're such a good team and you know, winners all the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean – I, I don't think anybody on the Angels was very surprised when that report came out. It's probably is uh, kind of the, the real truth. Is I don't think anyone was too surprised when that came out. We'll see what comes of it, and obviously if other teams are implicated. But it sounds like it's just going to be kind of a focus on the Astros. Um, so yeah, like I said, more than anything, even Joe Madden talked about it as you know he, he mentioned even in his press conference. I know he wasn't with the Angels, but just yeah, that there are even other teams he thinks that you know have their other ways of whistles or different things. But to do the full on electronic. Yeah, it's just such a yeah, it's just such a mess, and just yeah, it's amazing the the lengths they went, I guess. But like I said, the Angels are definitely not surprised. 
Hey, we appreciate the time, and we'll be calling you when uh, the Halos start filling out that rotation. Perfect. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. Brett Bollinger covers the Angels for MLB.com. That is a lineup, boy. I'm looking at it right now. Because even though he's way overpaid, and he's not nearly the player he once was, Albert Pujols is still a threat at the plate. You got Jason Upton, as he said, Listella, Otani, Trout, Rendon. There's some there's some thump in that lineup. I like Fletcher a lot too. Fletcher's a nice little scratch. He reminds me of David Eckstein, but Fletcher's another guy they have in that lineup. It's just they need to have a, they they don't have any pitching. Griffin Canning's are probably their best guy. Young besides Otani, who's young. You got Dylan Bundy in that tray with the Orioles, which you're just hoping know. for innings. Out yeah, of that you're just hoping for something from him from a guy that was a you know top prospect years ago. And Andrew Heaney's a, is a nice piece. You know, he was another top prospect years ago, but they need a front end ace. And I mean, they missed out on Bumgarner. They missed out on Garrett Cole. Um, I don't think anyone really had a shot at Strasburg. I, I think we all knew he was going back to DC. But to miss out on Cole and Bumgarner, yeah, maybe you sign Ryu, maybe you sign Keiko, but is that really the guy you're going to throw out there? Is your, I mean, they're great pieces, but they're not aces, I don't think. Not anymore, especially not anymore. By the way, Hawk Harrelson, Ford C. Frick Award winner, former A, Kansas City Athletic, and a legend in the game, Hawk Harrelson is going to join us here at the top of the hour. You've got to be faithing me! <laughs> Oh, you can put it on the board. Do you have that? That ball hit high and deep. Stretch. Stretch. Get on back there. They look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Oh, he's a classic. An absolute classic. Hell of a guy, too. What in the hell are you doing? (laughs) So we're going to have him at the top of the hour. What's Andrew Friedman doing in Los Angeles? Like, they get LeBron, they get Anthony Davis, you get Kawhi. I mean, that's in hoops. You got Rendon signing. I mean, if you're a Dodger fan, you got to be sitting there going, what are you doing? I don't care that you're saving money. Why would we care? That's something, by the way, that I think is starting to trend in a, in a good way. You know, ever since Moneyball, it's been like teams have been applauded for value. Finding value. You know, the big, you know, the big, big bad Yankees, they overspend. You know, we got this guy for X. Thumbs up, right? And I know our guy, friend of the program, Brian Kinney, who we had on down in San Diego, he loves that. They love the word value. They love preaching, don't overspend. Well, it's not our money. It's not my money. It's not your money. And all that money's TV money. Dodgers got that big deal with Time Warner. They got TV money. So... Do you want to hear? Oh, Andrew Friedman saved. They're under the luxury tax. Yay. 
and then you get outbid by everybody else? It's not like you were back in the World Series again. You lost to the Nationals, and you lost to the Nationals pitching. So I I, I can see how Dodger fans... Dodger fans don't want their team to act like a small market team. And the fact that he's... Since he's... How long has he been in L.A.? Freeman took over in 2014. Now, I was reading earlier that he still doesn't have a uh, contract yet. Then I saw that it was reported that he did get one, he didn't get one, but he's been there for five years. Can you name the biggest contract he's given out to a free agent since he's been there? No. I mean, he gave he – got, Kershaw got the extension. Turner got an extension. But he is not brought in, in – I mean, I think the most years he's given, like four or five or – I mean – Correct. It was last year. A.J. Pollock got four years, $55 million. He played in 86 games this year. Uh, at one point in the uh, NLDS, he was two. He was, uh, I think, in in ten at bats he had, or twelve at bats he had, like ten strikeouts. Like he just, he's been, ba- he was a bad, an off injured, injured outfielder who they signed, and he only played in eighty six games, didn't do anything in the postseason for him, and that's the only guy he's really given money to in fifty five million over four years. He's running them like a small market team. We talked about this coming back from San Diego. Yeah, you, you know what he is? He's running it like a mid major. No, that's he hoards the prospects. Like, that's what he does. He's not. If we're like talking like college basketball he's not kentucky or kansas or he's more like st mary's george mason <laughs> uh, uh, butler butler yeah. university yeah it's like what are you doing you have money to spend why don't you want to spend it that's interesting i didn't know he didn't have a he potentially doesn't have a contract well, I, I can't get a, a confirmed report. Like, one report, one thing I, an article I saw said he does have one, then another one says he doesn't. But it, he was at the winter or he was at the winter meetings. Uh, he was at the GM meetings in Arizona. So he's been to all the different things representing the Dodgers. But it's interesting to see that, seeing that he has built that team, the farm system, into something spectacular, but he won't trade any of those guys away. And he has no stars that he's bringing in to add. He's not adding anything to the players – that he, I mean, he, he's got a, yeah, it's great when you win the West every year, but what you're becoming is you're becoming. Uh, the Braves. I, yeah, but the Braves spent. They brought in Maddox. They spent on guys. David Justice. Well, he, he, he was, he was brought up. He was well, there. They, I'm well, saying, they, yeah, but they brought in guys. Yeah. They brought in guys and they brought, but this guy's not doing anything. I mean, he's not. Well, he, remember, he you're met- getting outbid by Every, you're the Dodgers, and you're getting outbid by everybody. Remember now, remember he traded for Machado what, last year? And the thing with Machado was he, he didn't want to go with any of his top prospects. But you got Machado anyway, but if you want to make you want to get these guys, you know, you want to trade for these guys, you have to go with your prospects. And the guys he gave up, the Orioles didn't get anything. Then they were rumored this year to be interested in then Pirates closer Felipe Vasquez, probably a good thing they didn't trade for him because uh, he's never going to pitch in baseball again. But, again, he wouldn't include any of his top prospects to get – the guy and the kid, it's a pitcher friendly or a team friendly deal, but he wouldn't involve any of those prospects like Locks or Ruiz or any of the guys that he has coming through the system because he wants to put him in that lineup. But where? Where's Gavin Lux going to play? You have Seeger, you have essentially Muncy who can play second base. You have Turner playing, playing third. Who? I mean, you can put Muncy at first. Well, but, and what if you actually do trade for Lindor? Yeah, the, the, I mean, you probably think about Lux or Seeger, and that's a, that, you know, you probably one? give up Seeger. Yeah, because he has less. Uh, Lux has more control. And, yeah, because well, Cleveland's 
if you're going to give up Lindor, if you're the Cleveland Indians, you need somebody who can step right in and play shortstop. And Seager can step right in for you and play shortstop. But then again, you might lose him in a couple of years, and that could be an issue where they might want Lux because he has more years. But either way, you're going to have to involve one of those guys on top of maybe Ginger Guard as well. But he, he does he's reluctant to trade these guys. But he's not signing the free agents or bringing in the big guys to keep in L.A. Cody Bellinger is great, but he doesn't make any money yet. Max Muncy was a great find, but he doesn't make any money. Their highest-paid player, is like besides Kershaw, is probably Justin Turner. I think he got like a four-year, $64 million deal a couple years ago. When Which he is just nothing. Yeah, anymore, it's nothing. That's then, nothing. And you're paying Pollock to play in half the games a year. Like, Well, I mean, it's a it's small sample size. He only played in 86 out of the 162 games last year. But when you have a top – five payroll in baseball you gotta you gotta be able to bring these guys in and, and i compared him to you i said he's like danny ainge opening day payrolls of major league baseball teams in 2019 dodgers were one two three four five six seven eight they're ninth top 10 152 million the mets are spending more money the angels the phillies the astros the national all spending more money than the los angeles dodgers and then the Cardinals are right below them. And the Cardinals are, I mean, they spend money, but they're very smart with the way they spend their money. And then you got the Rockies, the Giants, Mariners. The Mariners always, well, they, they spend their money weirdly sometimes. They're like the Padres. They either go for it, then they don't go for it. Oh, A.J. Preller, the GM of the Padres. They're getting Lindor. I don't know if you heard that earlier. I just, it's just one minute he's trying to bring in everybody, and then he's fire sales. I just It just doesn't make sense. Like, truly – that's something that we learned at the winter meetings. And we'll get into a little bit later. There's quite a few executives, their feet are being held to the fire. There could be a lot of guys replaced. Hey, Friedman lost out on everybody. What if the Dodgers punted from him before the season starts? If he doesn't have a contract extension. I'll keep looking at it, but that's that's interesting. But then you gotta wonder who takes over. And I mean, they, I'm we, sure asked, that, we asked about Billy Epler and Rhett Bollinger agreed that there he's got to win. Uh, they've already said it in San Diego that they got to win or there's going to be a regime change. That's three jobs right there. Possibly John Daniels in, in Texas. Now they're in a new ballpark. That That's caught, four that caught on fire over the weekend. If you saw that the new ballpark caught on fire, there's a fire at the ballpark. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, coming up next, Hawk Harrelson, the legend, the new Hall of Famer right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete so he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. The Hawk, Ken Harrelson, just won the Ford C. Frick Award. And that's what they give broadcasters for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Played in Kansas City for the Athletics, the Washington Senators, the Boston Red Sox, the Cleveland Indians, and of course was a star on television in Chicago for the Chicago White Sox. 
led the American League in RBIs in 1968, was an all-star in 1968. I believe, do we have Kent? Ken, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? Chris, how are you, buddy? Uh, we're doing great, and congratulations on the Ford C. Frick Award. I mean, you've had such an incredible life, a career in baseball as a player and as a broadcaster. So we just wanted to say, uh, knowing that you're a former A, congratulations, so well-deserved. Thank you very much. And it's, it is, there's no question about it. It's an honor. And I, when they called me and told me that I was the recipient this year, that I didn't know what to say. And that's, that's very seldom in my life have I ever been <laughs> A situation I didn't know what to say, <laughs> and I I just had a brain cramp. I I didn't know what to say except thank you. But uh, yeah, it's it's something that you dream about from the time you're in little league baseball. Yeah, and I think about your relationship with the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago White Sox fans. What has it been like since since you got that call from the fan base that Chicago? We know how much they love you. Well, it's been nonstop. Uh, last Wednesday at 12 o'clock when they announced the uh, it's been wonderful I've heard from people you know from Europe uh, from uh, South America when I played winter ball in Venezuela for three years and all over the you know all over the country and it's amazing because I don't know how people get my number you know but they find ways over the internet, and it's just been awesome. And I, I, I think about you also as a former player receiving this award. You know, a lot of times it's just guys that weren't players and they were broadcasters in their career. The fact that you had a great career and the fact that you're now going into the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster also has to be so special for you. It is. There's no question about it. You know, and, and I started off with Kansas City, as you know, and, and that we had a great bunch of guys there. I mean, a great bunch of guys. And then when Charlie Finley and I got into an argument uh, when he fired Alvin Dark and I uh, busted his behind in the in the media uh, and he released me. Uh, that happened to be at the time where they call it the greatest pennant race in the history of baseball, where you had the White Sox the Red Sox, the Twins, and the Tigers all within one game of each other going down for the last three weeks or so. And uh, I was really swinging the bat well, you know, and I, at that time I was making uh, uh, 6000 uh, no, excuse me, $12,000 from uh, Kansas City Club because I was a young player. And then when Finley released me, the only guy, as I said, was swinging the bat better than I was was Jastrzemski that year. And he, hell, he won the uh, – triple crowns so i was making twelve thousand. Two days later i was making one hundred and fifty thousand. that's not a bad pay raise <laughs> <laughs> well at that time that was the highest paid i was for a short time i was the highest paid player in baseball you know it's it just and that's that's fate that's kismet you know and uh, i've always said i've been a lucky lucky guy one of the luckiest guys ever stepped two feet on the face of earth because i had a great mom and i know they've been a lot of young men and women who love their moms, but I want to tell you what, there's never been a young man or a woman who loved their mom more, more than I did. I loved her. She was divorced when I was young and we were, 
we were just so close and she raised me and, and uh, gave me some good values. And I've, I've lived by those values all this time. You know, I'm 78 years old now and I'm still a mama's boy. Yeah. It just, it, it you know, the people that help us throughout our careers, and I'm sure you're going to bring her up when you give your speech there in Cooperstown. It, it's the people that do so much for us that have allowed us to be a part of this great game for a long time. It is, Chris. I, I'll tell you what. It, it's, I love the game today. Believe it or not, I love the game today more than I ever have because I've seen and I've been privileged and honored to have seen the, the evolution of the game. You know, when I played in my era, we – our superstars back in those days in my era would have been superstars today. You know, the Mantle, the Mays, the Marises, and the average player in the major leagues when I was there. And today, the guys who are a tick above the average player in the major leagues is so much better than I was, and we were. It's not even funny. And, and one of the reasons, being the great, and I'm very partial to the Latins. I really am. And uh, I'm very partial to African-Americans who because I know what they had to go through. I saw it, and I, had, I lived with it. And, and the, the, these guys today, I'm telling you what, they are so fun to watch. They can do some things that we never even thought about doing. And, and uh, it's just a wonderful game. I, it's, it's, to me, it's the best game going because of the fact there are no experts in this game. I've been in this, I've been in this game come January 1st of 2020, all the parts of – eight decades wow. and there's only five other guys who, who've been there that's Vin Scully uh, Tommy Lasorda Don Zimmer Dave Garcia and Bob Euchre and and Euchre is to me one of the greatest he and Lasorda are two of the greatest ambassadors for this game I've ever seen and and to watch the, how the game has evolved and, and to what it's evolved it, it is a different game than when we played well, your career is amazing, and your good friend Ray Fossey, uh, we talk about you, and, and you know, Ray, Ray, Ray has that resume too. Like his, his entire, your guys' entire life has been in baseball. Whether it's at players, you were an executive, uh, you were a broadcaster. I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful life. Well, Ray Fossey is one of the greatest friends and one of the greatest teammates I've ever had. He is a wonderful person. He and Carol, I'll tell you what, I love them. I love them like a son and a daughter. And, and, and he was he was a hell of a player, I'll tell you that right now. He was a hell of a leader on the ball club. And he has developed into what I think is one of the better analysts in the game of baseball, period. And I, you know, the last years uh, with the White Sox, we have a home in South Bend or Granger. And it's about 100 miles from my home here to the parking spot at the ballpark in Chicago. And so after a night game, I would put on my Sirius XM radio and I would listen to Ray uh, as much as I could. And he, I'm so proud of him, I'll tell you, as I said, he's just like a son. He, he's, he's really a terrific announcer now. And when I think about your career, you started out in broadcasting and then you became the man to lead the Chicago White Sox, executive vice president of baseball operations. And then you went back into broadcasting. Talk about that time where you broadcasted, then you ran the White Sox, and then you went back to broadcasting. Well, the White Sox, uh, when, when they asked me to take over the ball club in 86, I really didn't want to. Uh, 
And but I love Jerry Reinsdorf and Eddie Einhorn. They own the club, and I did it for them. And some things had to be done. There had to be some changes made, and I made them. And I told them that I I only wanted a one-year contract, and that's what I signed. And then after the one year, or even just a little prior to that, I I, I didn't want to do it anymore because it's, it's one of the nastiest jobs in, in the game of baseball because you've got to hire people, you've got to fire people. And it's a lot easier to hire somebody than it is to fire them. And, uh, but somebody had to clean it up and I was the cleaner upper. So then I went back into, uh, set out a year and I went back to, uh, broadcasting with uh, the Yankees and then uh, they changed stations and they brought in their own announcers. And then Jerry and Eddie brought me back to the White Sox. And uh, of course I've had 42 years of announcing. And it's just, it, you're right. It's been a great ride. You know, my beautiful wife, my beautiful Greek wife, Aristea, she was the one with the impetus for me to do all this stuff. And it, it's, it's been interesting, Chris. I'll tell you that right now. It hadn't been boring. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, people might describe you in a lot of ways, but I guarantee they'll never describe you as boring. <laughs> no. You know, and people... I, I was on a couple of other shows this morning and they're talking about how did you feel when people called you a homer? Well, that was the biggest compliment you could pay me because announcing and everybody, all the announcers I've worked with over 42 years, I've told them, I said, this is just like playing. You have got to be prepared. You have got to be ready. You have got to make sure that you know when you step in that booth, that you're ready to do, not that you're going to use it all, because the game will take care of itself. And anybody, anybody can do a 2-1, one nothing, 3-2 game, but the games that you've got to handle are the ones who are 9 to nothing, you know, 11 to 2. And those are the games that that's when you come out with some stories and stuff. And and and, uh, and I've had I've just had a great experience at that time. And I've never I've never tried to please everybody, as you know. Uh, because you can't, you know, I, I get, I've had hundreds and hundreds of letters over the years from young aspiring announcers. And they say, can you give me any, you know, tips on how it should go? I tell them, yeah, be yourself. I said, be yourself and don't try to please everybody because you can't, especially in a two team city. Like, you know, you guys are in Oakland and, and San Francisco. That's a two team city to me. And you're going to catch a lot of criticism and you've got to have a thick skin and you cannot be press conscious. And I have never been, I've got a very thick skin and I can, I can handle anything that comes down the road. Well, you did it your way and your way is leading you to Cooperstown as a hall of famer and a Ford C Frick award winner. Congratulations. We're all so happy for you. Can't wait to hear your speech in July and have a wonderful time with your family and have a great Christmas. Thanks, Chris. And uh, as well to you, buddy. And and give give Ray a big hug and Carol a big hug for me. Will do. Enjoy. Take care. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. Ken Harrelson, the Hawk, Hall of Famer, former athletic. How cool was that? That's arguably a top three moment of my life. I'm a huge Hawk Harrelson fan. I have been my entire life. And 
you know, I don't get a lot of, you know, I don't get very excited, like, you know, re- reactionary when we have guests on. But when I called Hawk the other day and talked to him on the phone, I was like, I'm, I'm talking to Hawk. As soon as you hear his voice. Well, like when he would come to Oakland, I mean, the man's a legend. And, you know, you know how good my relationship is with Ray Fossey. Ray Fossey multiple times would take me into their booth and introduce me. And you're just like, man's a legend. I, I'm not going to lie. When I when he answered and I asked him about coming on, I was expecting him to go, you got to be bleeping me. <laughs> yeah, he went after Charlie Finley. And that led to his – how about that? He went from, what, twelve grand to making a hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's a, that's a big raise. By the way, he mentioned uh, the Hall of Fame call. I actually pulled it if you want to play it. I have the Hall of Fame call. Then when the Hulk, Tim Mead, friend of the program, called him about letting him know in the Hall of Fame, I have the audio of that. Oh, yeah. That's here. Hello. Hey, Ken. Uh, this is Tim Mead with the Baseball Hall of Fame. How are you? Good, Ken. Good. Hey, I just want to share some good news with you and uh, let you know that you have been selected as the uh, 2020 Ford C. Frick Award uh, recipient. So congratulations and welcome to the club. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. I'll tell you, I, you know, I really appreciate it, but I, I also... I don't know how to, uh, I've never felt like this, so I don't know what to say except thank you. Well, Hawk, it, it's uh, someone who's listened to a lot of your games through the years with the Angels and, and beyond. It's, uh, it's an honor to make this call. Uh, I know how excited that the voting members uh, were in your selection, and we really look forward to it. I, I think the baseball world and baseball community is really going to enjoy this announcement, and you know you're following. That goes without saying. But uh, it's a distinguished group. I think what's what lies ahead for you and your family next July, you are thoroughly going to enjoy the experience and just add it to all the great moments and memories you've had in this game. Well, anybody on that list that you had deserves to be there. You know that. Wow. That's powerful stuff. We'll talk more about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, we really haven't been able to get into the Bumgarner signing yet. Five years, 85 mil. But I, I, I do want to say this. Tim Mead, friend of the program, who's now run the Baseball Hall of Fame, that's got to be like the greatest thing ever to make a phone call like that. I mean that 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 it's it's life you you're you're calling somebody and you're changing their life. We heard him say, you know, I've listened I listened to a lot of your games with the Angels. I mean, Hawk has been around for 8 decades as he, as yeah. he put it. 8 decades. Yeah. I mean, Fossey's not far behind him. Fossey's been around since the 60s. So if he's Late 78, Fossey's 72. So yeah, 6 years behind. So yeah, he figure about 7 decades probably. Yeah, these guys are, I mean, they, they come out of high school and they play professional baseball. And then after they're done with professional baseball, they, you know, they're either broadcasting or they're in front offices. I mean, that their whole life, every paycheck they've received has been from Major League Baseball. Yeah, Euchre's a great example. In some form or fashion. Uh, um, Euchre and Vince Scully are the best two examples that he gave for me. 
Like growing up, Vin Scully was always the guy, and then Bob Euchre, who calls Brewer games. Now Bob doesn't travel as much now, but he, he's in his eighties. Yeah, he's like late eighties, like I think like eight, maybe mid to late, like eighty seven ish. Do you do you, have you ever seen when he used to go on with Johnny Carson? Um, I've seen like pictures, but never like actual videos. Go YouTube, Bob Euchre on with Johnny Carson. I mean, Carson was the number one show. Carson was the big swinging. He was Johnny Carson, and Carson would Carson loved him, had him on all the time. Uh, I remember Euchre from Major Euchre in Major League was unbelievable. It was Harry Doyle, the broadcaster yeah. of the Indians. So, yesterday it came down during the Raider game, and people were talking about it on the sidelines. Madison Bumgarner, five years, eighty-five million. Supposedly. The Giants offered him four for 70. I've told the story. And I know everybody is weirded out by Aubrey Huff now and what he does on Twitter. But Aubrey Huff was one of the veteran guys in the clubhouse for the Giants. And Madison Bumgarner came to him and asked him about his last contract. Because his last contract was terrible. And Aubrey Huff told him, do not sign that deal. You are worth far more money than that. And the next day, Madison Baumgartner signed that deal. It was a more than team-friendly deal for what he did for them. And if this... I'm really questioning... Where where did you see this, Cody, that the Giants offered four years, $70 million? Uh, that was Andrew Baggerly of the Athletic who covers the Giants, said that he got it from a source not affiliated with the Giants, that it was somewhere in the f- four so years. So his agent then. Four years, $70 million. That, The deal the Bumgarner signed back in 2012, six years worth $35.56 million. Yeah, it was terrible. Well, he got paid. He got his $85 mil, and it's going to be – Fascinating, fascinating watching him pitch against the Giants. I, I, You just know how that guy operates. He's the biggest chip on his shoulder kind of guy. He's going to want he, – he, he can't wait to stick it to the San Francisco Giants. You know he's just seething. If this offer was even, who knows? I mean, you're a guy, and what I don't like is when somebody signs and leaves town and now people start, you know, either taking shots or devaluing him. He's a hell of a pitcher. If you would have told me that Mass and Bumgarner signed with the A's, I'm down with it. I'd take that guy any day of the week. What he's done in his career and what he's done in the postseason, they clearly don't want to win. I I mean, I don't even understand. To be honest with you, I don't really even understand what the Giants have done this offseason. Like, what's the plan? I don't know what the plan is. I don't, I don't get it. 
But Arizona just got themselves a, a legit major league pitcher. And that's the going rate. Yeah, I know he never won the Cy Young Award, but he had some really good years. When you're 18 and 10 with a 2.98, 18 and 9 with a 2.93, 15 and 9 with a 2.74, plus his value is he takes the ball every five days. All right? Starting at the age of 21. 21. That's 33 starts, 32 starts, 31 starts, 33, 32. Led the league in 2016 with 34, and last year, 34. He eats innings. Other than the two years he was hurt. But that, that, that's worth a lot of money. The fact that I know that I'm getting 200 innings because not a lot of guys do that anymore. I mean, we're talking about the Angels. Angels can't find a guy to go 100 innings. Masson Bumgarner's giving you, he's done it one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times he's gone over 200 innings. And if he's going to go out there every five days for the Diamondbacks and, and, and give you innings and, and helping that bullpen and he wins games for you, 17, 18 million is not a lot of money. That's the qualifying offer. Remember, this is the same team that gave that, that contract to Zach Granke. They're not afraid to spend money. And bringing in a guy like Bumgarner, who has the playoff pedigree. Yeah, you did finish 21 games behind the Dodgers last year, but bringing Bumgarner, who was tied for major league lead and starts at 34 last year. A little bit of a down year with the ERA, but he had the solid numbers you know, all around. Finishing the Cy Young four times and like the top 10 in Cy Young four times. The, the guy's a proven starter, and I thought that, again, why the Dodgers didn't go – why the Dodgers didn't try to get him. There was the rumors that they were looking at him. Because the Dodgers don't want to get anybody. How great would have been, though, of him him being there with Max Muncy after the whole thing last year where Muncy told him to get the ball out of the ocean. <laughs> and then then somehow Farhan signs uh, Puig to play for the Giants, and that would have been the greatest, like, uh, 180 in the history of sports – Bumgarner goes to the Dodgers, Puig is on the Giants, and they have to face each other on opposite teams. But I think the Diamondbacks got a steal getting Bumgarner in there. He has a career 313 ERA at Chase Field. It's only 20 starts. But still, that's or 20 games. That's still pretty good for 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 Bumgarner and for a guy pitching at Chase Field, which is prone to give up a lot of home runs. See Paul Goldschmidt against the Giants every year until he got traded. Yeah, I mean – I, I, I can see that being a change of scenery, and that change of scenery could do so much. I mean, it could be, I mean, it could do, it could, I mean, a change in, in scenery could be everything. And next, you know, I mean, he goes out and wins 15 games for the, for the Snakes and gives you 200 innings. That's money well spent. Especially if he can do it for like four years. I mean, he's still young. I mean, you're basically paying him till he's 35. So I can't look at that as a bad deal. And he he wants to be in the National League. He wants to be able to hit. And he wants to stick it to. And now it's he. I can stick it to the Dodgers and the Giants if I stay in division. You know, because there was talk. While we were down in San Diego, that San Diego was going after him. 
originally everybody thought, ah, he's going to go to the Atlanta Braves. He wants to be closer to home. But the money was there, and he gets to stay in division. He gets to stay in the National League. Now we start to see the the, the next tier of guys and where they're going to sign. Jim Duquette joins us here, former general manager, and, of course, does an outstanding show called The Power Alley on MLB Radio on Sirius XM. Jim, how are you? Jim, you there? No, Jim's not there. The Power Alley with our guy Mike Farron, who, by the way, during the winter meetings, Mike Farron also works for the Diamondbacks and does this show with Jim. Mike Farron pretty much called the contract for Madison Bumgarner. Like he had it to a T. And then he had an idea what, what, the, uh, what the Diamondbacks were going to be offering Madison. And he pretty much predicted that. Jim, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Yep, gotcha. What's going on there? Well, I got to tell you, I just bought a new car, and so I got Sirius XM, and and I've been able to listen to your guys' show because, you know, Mike's also a friend of the program. Your guys' show, Power Alley, is absolutely fantastic. I appreciate that. What kind of car did you get? I got a Lexus. Well, you know what? I have a Lexus too, and I won't buy any other car now. So, all right, we're we're brothers. There yeah. we go. And, and, and I listened to Mike narrated that tribute to Tony Gwynn. I mean, for people who are baseball fans, your guys' channel is amazing, and that whole tribute to Tony Gwynn was was unbelievable. Yeah, no, I appreciate. It. He he's really good. I'll, I'll never tell him that in person, or I hope he never hears this. But he's <laughs> he's he's very he's very good. At, at what he does, he's re- really good at some of those tributes. He's, it's, uh, and uh, you know, again, the channel, the channel itself is. Um, I mean, we, we in terms of getting general managers and managers, uh, and for content, it's 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 really good. You know, I, we were just talking about Mass and Bumgarner because some people up in our area now are like, ah, oh, he's not the same pitcher. And I'm like, hey, listen, this guy's going to give you 33 to 34 starts. He's right. going to give you over 200 innings. He's going to have a big chip on his shoulder. I really like this deal for Arizona. How'd you feel? Well, I did too. I, you know, it's and it's really I think a relatively modest cost. You know, 17 was it 17 million per year, uh, the average annual value of the of the contract for five years. And you know, I, so I thought he made some strides last year, and now because he was healthy. Um, you know, and I think there's even more there that he can do to 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 pitch more effectively. I think, you know, staying in that in the National League is helpful. Uh, staying in that division is helpful. He knows the hitters. Uh, it's not it's not as good of a pitcher's park, obviously, than San Francisco. But I mean, I thought there were some signs that last year that maybe not the old Madison Bumgarner, like people have said, but still a very a very good pitch. I felt if they can get a number two or number three type of starter out of him. Um, you know, who, who knows, who knows where, you know, where that will fit in in their rotation. I think that helps them a lot. And I also think that we know what, you know, you guys saw it firsthand, what kind of postseason pitcher he is. So I think that he brings a lot to the, uh, to the table and, um, you know, adding and subtracting off of his, his four seamer and cutter and curveball. I think, you know, that I think will, his, his contract will age well versus maybe some of these other contracts who have the high-end velocity, but you see a drop in velocity over, let's say, a three- or four- or five-year period. 
we had a writer on from Southern California earlier in the show, and I was just asking about the Dodgers because in L.A., L.A. is about stars. And Andrew Friedman is not running the Dodgers that way. He's been very successful, hasn't won a World Series yet, but these Dodger fans are not happy because they keep looking at everybody keeps outbidding them. How do you think – what do you think about the way Andrew Friedman is running the Los Angeles Dodgers? He's, he's running them very frugally, I would say, uh, which is not what we're used to seeing with the Dodgers. They, you know, they, obviously their payroll was – had been the highest uh, in the in the sport three years ago, four years ago. This is a goal of theirs to bring it down into, you know, below the luxury tax. And you know, now that they're that they've done that, I'm a little surprised that they haven't spent the money you know, to date. And you know, they've they've come up uh, second fiddle to Harper. They, uh, you know, Garrett Cole, uh, Anthony Rendon. Although you know. They claimed that they knew Rendon didn't want to play there. I think if they had shown shown him the money, like it always, uh, he would be there. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that they've come up empty. They, having said that, still a really good team, and there's you know there's still the team to beat out there, obviously in the West. So, um, but I, I, I am uh, you know, and they're very they're very sensitive these days. I talked to Stan Caston, their president, uh, recently at the winter meetings, and you know he's like, well, I think Andrew Friedman gets a bad rep for not spending any money. He really hasn't spent much money on the free agent market. He signed, you know, obviously Kenley Jansen and, and Justin Turner to, to uh, you know, re-upped with them to extensions. But your overall, I think AJ Pollock is their most expensive free agent under his under his uh, t- uh, watch, at least so far. And then I start thinking about these big deals, and we were all at the winter meetings. Out of out of all these big deals, these big Scott Boris signings, which one do you like the most? Boy, I don't like any of them. They're so expensive. <laughs> but I, would, I mean, I can't even imagine spending that kind of money. That, 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 you know, that kind of expenditure. I mean, for everybody, and you know this, it's it's really an ownership decision, right? It's it's the front office. You said, do you want any of those three guys? You raise your hand and say yes, of course. But do you want to pay that kind of money? No. Um, I, I I feel like you know Strasburg has the injuries uh, from the past, so that one concerns me the most. Um, you know, I, I generally take the position player over the pitcher, but Cole is so dominant. Um, I'll say this. The Yankees, they don't expect him to be productive for the for the nine years of it. It's probably over seven years. So, in essence, if you take that number, 320, divided out by seven, they're paying him about $50 million, $50 million per year. I don't like that as an average annual value. So, a long way around your, your to answer your question, I probably like Rendon the most, followed by Cole and then Strasburg. Yeah, what do you think Cole has to do to satisfy that fan base? Because when you sign for that kind of money, boy, they're 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 just going to see dollar signs on your forehead. What 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 do you think he'll have to do to satisfy Yankee fans for that contract? I wonder if it, if there's anything that's good enough, you know, for them. I mean. It, he, listen, getting out of the gate that first year is so important, and if he can do that, um, you know, then you know, even when he has a struggle for, you know, the, the thing about uh, New York and the fan base there with the Yankees, it's you know, you have a bad inning or two, they'll give you, they'll give you a, a little bit of a pass. But if you put together, you string together a couple of starts that are clunkers, you're going to start getting restless. And I say this: if you don't pitch well on opening day. You might, they might boo you walking off, but it's it's not necessarily anything other than that's how they express their you know opinion about you know the way you pitch that day. They can turn 
and then pitch, you know, and, and, and for the better and support you if you pitch well. So it's really going to be about his results. And I think the early part of that contract will be fine once he gets adjusted. <laughs> he will be booed in those nine years. At some point, he will get a oh, boo. Oh, you know it. They're probably <laughs> in year one. <laughs> So with the guys left on the board, I think of Josh Donaldson, our, our old third baseman. We love J.D., yep. a fiery player. If you were looking to sign him and you were one of these teams that needs a third baseman, where do you think years and range should be for him? Well, I, I think that, you know, he in the, I think it's going to end up being a four-year deal. And whether you want to go there or not, to get the player, there's enough interest between, well, Texas backed out now, but Atlanta, Washington, Minnesota is in the you know in the in the mix among others, but uh, possibly the possibly the Dodgers. Um, you know it, it's hard. You know I know teams are looking at two years trying to get him for two. It, it was more likely going to get get him three, and it was probably going to be around twenty five million per year. Now I think it's pushed up to four at probably the same number. So it wouldn't surprise me if they if he got a hundred million. Um, it's going to be pretty close, I think. But I think it's going to take four years to get them done. And my preference, if I were an American League club, I would be willing to extend it just because of the DH. You can kind of manage his uh, his uh, at-bats a little bit better that way. Yeah, and I, thought, I think about Castellanos is like that, too. He's just turning 28. I mean, he yeah. had 58 doubles last year, but we know he's not very good defensively. Do you like him as a better fit in the American League because of the DH? Yeah, I, I I do. I think you know. I also put him in the outfield, in the corner, um, and keep him as far as far away from the home plate as you can. But you know, he has some value. The guy, the guy. You know, I, I think one thing that we saw, Scott Boris represents Castellanos too, and you know, he felt like when when Mike Mustaka signed with Cincinnati that that pushed Castellanos' number above above sixty four million for four years. I don't agree with that. I don't think the industry does. So um, I think it's still going to be you know below. 64 million, probably in the 50 range for three, something like that. Um, and I think that's a reasonable uh, contract, you know, for a guy that can swing the bat the way he did. And you know, obviously getting out of Detroit helped him too. I think he showed enough. So you know, in, in that sense, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a three-year deal um, or a four-year deal, but under 64 million, which is where Mustakas was. Yeah, Scott Boris. There was I remember an article that came out, you know, talking about whether Scott Boris had lost his fastball. I think uh, Scott showed us at the winter meetings and continued this offseason, he still has that electric fastball. Well, look at what he's done in, just in this calendar year, right? He, he grabbed um, – we've never – we hadn't seen a, a pitcher sign over $300 million, so he, he got that done with Garrett Cole. Uh, he set a record before that for, for a pitcher in Steven Strasburg. Uh, he was over the 217 number that David Price got. He gave him 245 for Strasburg. He got another two forty-five million for Rendon, and then last year he got over three hundred million for a position player in Harper. That's a pretty good year. That's a lot of money, and you've dealt with him. We we had him on the show recently. He's a fascinating guy. What's it like to negotiate with him? Well, it's a, it's the most difficult thing that you'll do in the sport. I mean, he's so good at what he does. He's very prepared. Uh, you do have to check him on on some of his uh, data, some of his information. It's not complete. It's not always accurate. It's gonna it's gonna skew more towards the the narrative that he's gonna try to talk to you about. Um, I think with the GMs, you're trying to protect him from talking to ownership, even though the, the owners are gonna try to negotiate the deal. You'd rather you'd rather have a a, a, a go between between the owner and the Boris uh, conversation. When it comes to these high-end guys, because again, he makes you he makes you feel like 
um, you have no chance. It makes you feel like your offer is extremely low. Um, it's I've said this before, but it's almost like you know it's a it's a hidden target that you don't know where the end game is. So very very difficult things to. And he has the best players, so you know you you. It's not like you just you want his players. You kind of need need them need the players. So he has most of the leverage, and if you're going to stay in the game with him, you have to really be able to call his bluff, wait him out, um, and not every team is built that way. So there's a lot of there's a lot of inherent um, difficulties when you're negotiating with him. When you talk about building a roster, and I'm thinking about our Oakland Athletics, right now our A's are very right-handed dominant when it comes to position players. Would that scare you going into spring, or would you just say, hey, it is what it is? Uh, it, you know what, it, you'd like to try to you know, pick up, uh, you know, have a little more balance to your lineup, if at all possible. Um, it's not always necessary, you know. I, I, I look at um, you know some of the other teams. Like the, I'll, I'll say this, the Yankees' offense. Um, well, like I don't think the A's is quite as powerful as the Yankees, but the Yankees are very, very right-handed, and they lost Gregorius, so it's even more right-handed. You know, there are teams that that you know. I remember the Astros um, were very right-handed until recently when they picked up. Well, a couple years ago they picked up Josh Reddick, and then last year they picked up Michael Brantley. So, I mean, it, it's. You'd like to have the balance at all possible, and you know I know they're working towards that. I talked to David Forrest at the winter meetings there in San Diego. That's one of their goals. But I, I wouldn't get too caught up in it. You know, if anytime you're sending out there, you know the the, the just the Chapman, Simeon, Olson, Davis group, um, you know you're, you're, that's that's a pretty formidable middle of the lineup uh, or you know, lineup that can score some runs. So I don't get too worried about it. Although you know, again, it's it's one of those that you that you want to have. You don't need to have it. And you know, let's end on this. We found out down there at the winter meetings that uh, what's going to come down with the Houston Astros is not going to come down until after the first of the year. We right. know we know something's going to happen. How much do you think this will affect the actual team on the field? You know that's a that's a hard one to know because you know if you're if you're let's say the the manager you know, I don't know if he's going to be suspended or not or AJ Hinch that affects the team out of the gate if you know because I think he's one of the best managers in the game uh, keeping the team together I think that has a chance to impact them uh, it could impact the general manager you know and you know their ability to try to improve the team. Um, there's so many unknowns right now, uh, you know, on how they're going to do it. In the end, I, I think they're going to be penalized, you know, draft picks, and it'll hurt the, the future. Um, but it kind of remains to be seen the present, you know, of what how how that's going to impact them. And you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't see there being anything, you know, when it comes to the players and suspending them. I'd be, I'd be very surprised in that sense because they'll have a. Uh, a grievance on their hands, but I could see it extending to the GM, possibly the manager, and you know I think that indirectly would affect the, the the team on the field. Jim, we always appreciate the time. Have a great Christmas, happy holidays, yes, and same keep to you. and keep doing a great job on Sirius. All right, man. Keep, thanks, and uh, keep listening. Thanks, <laughs> we'll Jim. Talk to you later. Jim Bye. Duquette, former general manager of the Orioles and the Mets. A couple of things I want to respond to there. Also, I got this thing on Matt Olson that I think will interest you right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, yeah, we roll on. 
Are, are you calling? Oh, you're calling this breaking news? Wow, Cody's really overselling this. Okay, Commander, what do you got? Okay, as Jim Duquette told us earlier, uh, Jeffrey Luno could be suspended. So what kind of moves does he make? Not suspended yet. According to Jake Kaplan, who covers the Astros for The Athletic, Brad McTaggart's on this, Mark Feinstein for MLB.com, so it's confirmed. The Astros are re-signing reliever Joe Smith to a two-year deal worth $8 million. The Astros' bullpen is still intact. The Astros are willing to deal. He's 35. Great year last year, though. 1-0 record in 28 games. 180 ERA. An ERA under three in his career. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, no doubt. He's 50-29 and 29 in his career. With a 2.98 ERA. All right. Also, the Rangers earlier today signed up Blake Swihart to a minor league deal. So the Rangers are uh, wheeling and dealing also. Wheeling and dealing. I thought that was pretty interesting that Jim, because everybody's kind of want to stay Everybody's kind of want to stay away from this whole Astros debacle. But like, like, like you're talking about, you know, manager, the general manager, I. If there are suspensions, I I think it de- I think it definitely affects the team. I think no question. Uh, the suspensions of uh, Sean Payton and Joe Vitt and all those guys when they when the thing with the Saints happened, I think I'm pretty sure that affected the team. Yeah, that affected the team. So when you're getting rid of eight, when you could potentially suspend AJ Hinch, who has won a hundred games the last three years, each of the last three years, uh, that's a pretty big deal breaker for them. And you know they have a nice co- coaching staff. Uh, for some reason, like Joe Espada, his bench coach, is supposed to be getting uh, every major league job this year, and he didn't get one of them. He's, he could take over as the manager. It's a good audition for him. But it affects the Astros 100% because now you don't have the guy that's been there who won a World Series for you in the, in the, club, in the dugout for you every game. In my hand, I finally have the Bill James handbook. The complete, up-to-date statistics on every major league player, team, manager, through last season. It's going to be hard to top that gift that I gave you for Christmas right there. The freebie book? It's not a freebie. I have connections. I still had to send an email and ask to pull favors. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I've got it the last, like, four years. It's an incredible read. So, they're talking about shifts. You know, before I do that, now is the time, A's fans, to build your sweet plans for this season. I'm telling you, you can get great deals on suites. All plans include complimentary A's access passes, which include 50% off concessions and 25% off merchandise, complimentary parking passes, options to include two Giants games. Giants games are about 5 k each in the outfield. VIP batting practice. I mean, you get out and watch batting practice. How about that? Take a swing on the field? Wow. Visit athletics.com slash suites. That's athletics.com slash suites for details. That's a pretty good deal, folks. I'm telling you. You want to go see Major League Baseball. You want to go see a great team. And you want to do it at the right price? It's the Oakland A's. There's no question about it. 
So whether we're talking sweets, A's access passes, they're all fabulous. So on page 131 of the Bill James Handbook, there's an article that is very interesting. Hits, lost, and gained to the shift. You hear me all the time about the shift, and it drives me nuts how guys continue to hit into the shift. Now, I've never been armed with facts. It was just opinion. But now I got facts. Do you know who has affected the most by defensive shifts in 2019? Do you know? I have a guess. Well, I, I read the article to you, so you yeah, should know. That's true, and I do have the book myself. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a clue. It's not Joey Gallo. It's not. It's actually a guy that we watch a lot. Not Mike Trout. He's usually the answer for everything. It's usually Trout or Bregman. It's Matt Olson. Matt, so check this out. Matt Olson hit 267. And then you you start getting into it, though. Matt Olson lost 27 hits to the shift in 2019. As there's just times where he's just grounding it into the right side, and they're shifting over there. So our friends from Baseball Info Solutions have worked it out that Olsen, because of a couple bunts and a couple times went the other way, he actually had 11 hits against the shift. So he had 27 hits taken away against the shift, but he had 11 that he beat the shift. That is a difference of 16 hits. You want to know how dramatic 16 hits are in a season for Matt Olsen? Nat Olson hit 267. If you gave him those 16 hits, Matt Olson hits 300. Think about that. Matt Olson, a 300 hitter. If he just beats the shift, I can't wait to show him this. I wonder if he if he even knows this. We're bringing this to spring training. We're going to say, hey, we want to show you something. How much better would Matt Olson look if I said hit 336 home runs, 91 RBIs, his OPS would be over 900. Remember, he got hurt, broke the hammock bone, so he only played in 127 games. But just how dramatic you, – you tell me, Cody, as a guy that you don't even like batting average, but just how different – oh, by the way, his RBIs would be up because some of those hits – I got to think 16 of those hits, some of them would have been guys on base. So he'd have more than 91 RBIs. If I told you 267 versus 300, what would that do for you? What well, helps a lot, but I think it also helps that he probably would have more home runs, more RBIs, more extra base hits – a higher OPS plus, everything that I look at to value a player. Now, 
I don't completely discredit batting average. I think there's so many other metrics that go into it. But having hearing that he's a 300 hitter is that's 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 a great thing to be. It's it's not a knock to say you're a 250 hitter because there are 250 hitters that are productive. But to be a 300 hitter with close to 40 home runs, you're looking at Alex Bregman. I'm, I pulled up Alex Bregman because Bregman hit Bregman hit 286 this past or sorry he hit 296 with 41 homers. Now Bregman, you say Alex Bregman's a three, 305 hitter with 41 home runs. That sounds much better. You give Olsen a 296 average. I think he gets a lot more looks at MVP this past season, even after missing all the games with the handmade bone injury. And there you go. Just add in the 27 hits. Uh, that you he had how many hits did he have on the year? So he had 129. You had the 27. That's 156. Well, no, you got he got 11 hits against the shift. So it's 16. Okay, so you add, so the so difference is 16. So you still add you still would add the 16 to that. So you're looking at 145 hits that he had this season. Still pretty good for only playing in 127 games. So the article says such is life in Major League Baseball for pull happy sluggers like Olson. Others who lost significance significantly more hits to the shift than they gained. Freddie Freeman, Jay Bruce, Brandon Belt, Bryce Harper, Daniel Vogelback. Defensively, the Arizona Diamondbacks were the best team at deploying infield shifts in 2019. Opponents had a net loss of 75 hits when hitting into the Arizona shift. Other highly analytical teams like the Dodgers, Astros, and Rays also ranked in the top five. Interestingly, opponents had a net gain of six hits when hitting into a shift against the New York Yankees. Every other defense at least broke even with shifting and more than half the teams saved at least 20 hits. By the way, I just did the math. If you add the 15, the 16 extra hits to Olsen, it's a 300 batting average. Yeah, I read that already. Oh, I didn't read that. I just read it. I just did the math myself. No, you just weren't listening. I said it already. No, that's, that's on me then. <clears throat> but still, that's still – A good I mean, producer never listens to yeah. the host. But the way they break down how many teams shifted and who gets shifted the most, like – the Bill James handbook is incredible for stuff like this. This, yeah, the four-man outfield, the stuff you can't – you don't have time to look up on the internet. I'm trying to see who has shifted the most because it's not Olsen because he didn't play the I full say, season. Joey Gallo is going to be up there, but he got hurt too, so he, you're going to have to take his number. Freddie out. Freeman, they shifted against Freddie Freeman 373 times. And I'm just looking here, and no one sniffs that. Like Bryce Harper got shifted 300 times, Cole Calhoun 308, Michael Brantley 305, Carlos Santana 308. Ooh, wait a minute. No, Anthony Rizzo. God, he he 354. Uh, Charlie Blackman 334. So those are the guys that get shifted the most. Uh, Rizzo hit 293 this year. Freeman hit 295. So still a pretty solid batting. Their batting average is well in the 300s. They get just a few more hits from the shift. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's. Wait, wait a minute. I got to get into this book more. But, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. 
I mean, if if players need to see this kind of data, they need to. And you know, maybe next time we talk to uh, David Forrest for the David Forrest show, we bring it up. And you know, is this something you'll say to Olson? Or do you want him, the game plan is still hit the ball over the wall. And when you're hitting, trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark, there's just going to be times where you roll over on pitches and you hit it into the shift. Just the life of baseball in 2019. Or you say, hey, listen, you're still going to hit your homers, but if you make it a point to hit it the other way more often, you're going to have a lot higher batting average, which is, which is going to make all of your stats go up. You're going to get more RBIs. You're going to have a better on-base percentage. As you, Cody, as you said, OPS and OPS Plus both go up. And at someone that's just – I mean, Olsen's going to be 26 when? When's his birthday? Born March 29th. So he'll be 26 heading into the season. I mean, you talk about a guy who hits over 40 bombs and hits 300 and has well over 100 RBIs, and he is, I mean, can we say by far the best defensive first baseman in the game? He's won back-to-back gold gloves. I don't disagree with that. I think he is. I mean, Freddie Freeman's pretty talented at first base, but I think Olsen's the best all-around. It's like that argument. Well, it's not the same argument, but it's like that argument of who's the better defensive shortstop, Crawford or Angelton Simmons. Now, now you can you can put Marcus in that conversation or Chapman versus Arenado. Like, I think Olson far in between is is the best first baseman overall defensively in baseball. Who is the best third baseman in the division for the American League West? Now that Anthony Rendon, World Series champion, has now entered the fray. You got some good third baseman, man. You got Bregman, you got Chapman, you got Rendon. Hey, don't you dare sleep on Kyle Seager up there in Seattle. When he's healthy, he's a pretty decent player, too. And then the Rangers, well, um, we'll see what they do. Maybe they get Donaldson. Maybe they sign Mikel Franco. Maybe they bring back Adrian Beltre, Hall of Fame, former, future Hall of Famer. I bet you I bet you, you can put Beltre in the lineup right now, and he'd probably still get, hit 300. I, th- I think Beltre, he just was that, he aged very well. Yes, he did. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I, in my opinion, I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I had three. Yeah, it, there's no question he's gonna be all. He's first well, ballot. You never know. Well, I don't know first ballot, but I think he'll be three thousand hits. Yeah, but I don't know if he'll be first ballot. Really? I don't know. Hey, hey, the voters, the voting's weird. Voters are getting softer. Come on. Well, when they put bonds and those guys in, then yes, you know that it's, it's gone completely soft in a good way because then those guys should be in the Hall okay, of Fame. Let me let, let me let me read you some numbers here. Yeah, I know, I know how good he is. He's four hundred seventy-seven career homers. He has. He has a, 1,707 RBIs. It's pretty good. It's a career 286 hitter. It's pretty good. 477 home runs. 819 OPS, above average OPS plus. Uh, how many gold gloves did he win? One, two, three, four, five gold gloves. Finished in the MVP several times in the top ten. Remember that, remember that year with the Dodgers, he hit 48 home runs, and then he went to Seattle. He got that huge deal with Seattle. They never really did anything in Seattle. <laughs> Couldn't hit up there. Then he goes to Boston, has a nice year, and then he goes to Texas, and his career just takes off. 
Yeah, I, 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 these, these, if you took the name away and you looked at those numbers, you say first ballot all 3,166 hits. I remember when he got the 3,000th hit. Uh, I, I, uh, I forget who he did it against, but I remember watching it. He is a great player. I mean, he's a guy that a lot, when you think of guys that hit three, 3,000, no, I bet you Belcher doesn't even register for some, from some people to watch the game right now. They'll think Jeter and Ichiro and all that, but. I don't. I don't know if people think of Beltre. That's a lot of uh, one thousand seven hundred and seven. That is a lot of RBIs. I think what Polis is over two thousand now, right? Like that's. I mean, he's been driving and runs since he was like <laughs> coming out of the womb. But pretty, <laughs> but still, Pulho says I think over two thousand RBIs already, or he, if not, he's really really close. And that's a lot of RBIs. Are, 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 are you saying Albert Pujols is not a first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, he's first ballot. He could be unanimous. Let's be honest. The, all the accolades and accolades and awards he has. Jesus, two thousand seventy-five <laughs> yeah, RBIs. How many home runs? He's at six fifty. So he's gonna he'll pass. Um, I'm gonna throw this out there right now. Barring an injury, he will pass Willie Mays this year in home runs. He's uh, four behind him. Yeah. So he'll be what fifth on the list? Ooh, Sixth? MLB just put out what could a blockbuster trade involving Rockies star. Nolan Arenado, I don't, what it would look like. We talked about this the other day. I, I just don't – what's their motivation to move him? You're not – I mean, you're paying him – he got a significant increase, but he's that good. He hit 40 home runs almost every year for you. Wins a gold glove every year, a platinum glove almost every year. There's no, If you're trying to sell to your fan base, you move off from guys like Blackman and players that are getting older. Arenado's still in his prime. Yeah, you need starting pitching. Don't worry about your offense. You need a starting pitcher. Rebuild, rebuild, rebuilds don't work in Colorado. Um, no. Ask our friend, friend of the program, Dan O'Dowd. Yeah. Well, he took him to the World Series out one year with uh, Clint Hurdle. All right, in 131 games, I'm not. What's the best way to put this? This is not. I these are not ideal numbers, especially when you're paying a guy. Let's see. They paid him $28 million. So, Albert Pujols got $28 million this year from the Angels. His game hasn't completely fallen off. He hit 23 home runs, had 93 RBIs. He's got a lot of guys on base, including a guy named Mike, Mike Trout hitting in front of him. And a 734 OPS is not great. But at 39, that's not that bad. Wouldn't you say? I mean, he gave you 93 RBIs. He'll hit he'll 20 homers again this year. He'll, he's going to end his career with 700 career home runs. I think that's his goal. I think he wants to get to that number. And he'll probably be 41 when he gets there. If he hits 20 this year, 20 next year, he needs to hit, I think, what, 40? He needs to hit 44 home runs over the next two years to get to 700 exactly. And he will probably get there. And he's going to – to me, I think he's a unanimous Hall of Fame. He's a unanimous – First ballot Hall of Famer. He'll pass A-Rod in RBIs this year. He's already 11 behind him. So he's got – I'm now in an Albert Pujols dive here. He's got two years left on his contract, 40 and 41 years old. And unless they, unless they eat the deal – What's it not? Because he's that personal services contract, and the Angels are going to want him to be around to do that. So, all-time leader in the clubhouse is Hank Aaron. 
Hank Aaron. That's what. That's why people don't realize how great Hank Aaron is. Hank Aaron should be the all-time home run leader. He's the all-time RBI leader, and he's third in hits. Yeah, he's 222 RBIs ahead of Albert Pujols right now, and Pujols will might get there in two years. I mean, they got Rendon in that lineup now, but Pujols has to stay productive. He's almost a below he's almost a below replacement level player according to a lot of metrics, but he still hit 20. Yeah, juice ball. Potentially, yeah, allegedly, I don't think he's getting that. He, he, two hundred and twenty-two. So you have to have over a hundred two straight years. Yeah, maybe he plays. It, maybe he plays that third year and just gets gets. In, he passes uh, Henry Aaron. Then he goes. All right, I'm going to call it a career. He's going to pass a Rod. He'll pass a Rod in the first month, probably next year. Can he pass? People forget Babe Ruth, two thousand two hundred and fourteen. You're looking at like a hundred and. It's about 100 139. Can you get 139 in two years and be number two all time? I think so. By the way, this is from Bob Nightingale. The Nationals continue to go hard after former A. Josh Donaldson, willing to pay $90 million plus for four years. Wow, at that age? A lot of money. Oh, Mike Rizzo likes to get – they signed it. That age? Yeah. J.D.'s 34, going to be 35. You're hoping he doesn't go down and his uh, production doesn't go down. What do we got going here now? Well, we have Adnan Verk from MLB Network. Nice. We uh, got a chance to hook up with him. We'll talk a little bit about zone and the changeup show that they have. It's basically the red zone for baseball. But, of course, he does a great job. Adnan does a great job on MLB Network. Here is my conversation with him earlier today. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. And and it sounds like there at MLB Network, you you've had a very uh, interesting day. So I come into work. I'm hosting MLB tonight from six to seven o'clock Eastern with John Smoltz and Sean Casey, and I'm talking to my producer Jason Grillo. And then one of our PR guys comes up and says, "Hey, Chuck D's over there." I'm like, "What?" He's you want to go meet Chuck D? And I don't think he's kidding. Maybe somebody who looks like Chuck D. <laughs> Chuck D's doppelganger, but no. When he said it the second time, I realized, why would someone be kidding about something like that? It's a very specific reference. Like he said, you know, Justin Bieber just walked in. I'm like, okay, sure. Justin could actually be here. And there he was. It was amazing. So I, It's always hard, right? It makes you think about when people meet someone. Like, what are you supposed to say? What do you do? But I thought it was okay. I went up to him, and I said, Chuck, big fan. He was there with uh, whoever he was with, a couple people. And I just I thought to think of something unique. I always think of this, right? Was, I met Robert De Niro. He was my hero. I bet so many great people. I always try to think of something specific. So I just said to Chuck, listen, Neither Living Bass Head is one of my favorite songs. He's like, oh, thanks. I don't think he was floored by it, but at least it's better than saying, hey, now I want to do a joke. I'm a huge fan. And then I said, listen, you know, I grew up on your music. And I said, being Canadian, I'm from Toronto. I didn't know anything about the New York Post until I heard your songs. You started laughing. New York Post is a joke for anyone who knows. So you can look up the song. I can't actually. But it's called Letters to the New York Post. It's not even the song. I can't obviously quote any of it because it's language. But uh, it was great. And I said, hey, you got the Pirates on your big Pirates They said, no, we just love Clemente. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then Brian Kenny came up, and then Brian Kenny and him, I guess, maybe had interviewed earlier on the show. They started talking about Alex. I kind of got frozen out. But he remembered me at the end because I walked away. He said, he Like, that's right. I'm Toronto. I love it. Chuck D's the man. So what's Chuck D doing at MLB Network? It's a great question. I'm going to assume he was on MLB Now because the way he was talking to Brian Kenny, I'm going to assume that he had just done Brian's show. And so maybe he was promoting, a, you know, a new album or a book or something along those lines. That's, that's my best guess because, you know, the shows that we're doing right now are Hot Soap, which is with Matt Vesper's, and that's in the morning, Brian's show, 
which is in the afternoon, and I'm hosting him all week tonight. So I'm going to assume he was a guest today, unless you're throwing something. Okay. But I'll get to the bottom of it. My, my, uh, my sources say uh, they're doing something on the great Dave Parker. Yes. That, that might be. You know what? I have seen something about Dave Parker. That makes sense. They're doing a documentary about him. I believe it's called Cobra or something like that. I have seen that on the network. So Maybe that's what it was. They flew Chuck in there to talk about Dave Parker. Yeah. Why wouldn't you include Chuck? <laughs> Absolutely, man. He's awesome. <laughs> what a great moment. Well, we leave the winter meetings, and we're wondering, okay, where's Rendon going to go? Uh, another Boris client. And then all of a sudden, he comes into our division with the Los Angeles Angels. And I'm thinking, I love their lineup. I just don't know how they're going to get 27 outs down there in Anaheim. No question. Pitching is still an enormous concern. Everybody knows it. But once you get, you know, you get beat on Garrett Cole and Strasburg. And Strasburg, I think most of us all, alongside the Nationals. I thought Cole was going to the Angels up until about a week ago. Once we heard the Yankees were interested and had to go ahead to sign, I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And sure enough, never my wildest dreams was I expecting nine years, 324. You know, I thought 8260 was the number I was hearing from, you know, smart people like Jim Bowden and Tom Berdichie. Ken Rosenthal and the like. So once Cole goes, he's okay, plan B then. I mean, there's no other starter who's as good as Cole or Strasburg. Even Wheeler could be top of tier two. He's gone, the Phillies. And then Madden, of course, signed, although it was after the Rendon signing. But I think for the Angels, it was smart to say, listen, just go get the biggest name. Go get the most talent. We'll try to slug this sucker out. Uh, Rendon was the best hitter available. He's tremendous. As you said, when you put him, Otani, Trout, you feel pretty good. Upton as well. Now the pitching is an issue. I think what happens now is, honestly, just try to make a trade. Because all those names, Wheeler, Mad Bum, I mean, Tanner Roark to the Jays, um, you know, they're all gone now. So I think now you try to get creative. You swing a trade. You look for some moves. Because there's no doubt the Halos desperately needs to pitch. Oh, no doubt about it. And the, the Rangers in our division do the absolute, they do the opposite. And they go out and trade for Corey Kluber and to strengthen their rotation so I think, I think for sure, wouldn't you agree, the Rangers got better? Yes, although I will say, this is not the clue of the past. Like I'm, I'm a little bit um, skittish on it because he is 34 years old. He's obviously tremendous when he's healthy, but he's coming off a season in which he was disappointing, mild injury and inconsistency. So there's a reason why, you know, Cleveland didn't get a ton back, all due respect to Delano DeShields Jr. My buddy Justin Avins is tweeting, like, hey, what else, what else is the deal? That's it? But that's where Kluber's value had gone down. But, yes, Texas, clearly Miner and Lynn were great, especially if you, if you, follow, you know, qualify excellence with war. Both those guys were tremendous in the American League. So if you add Corey Kluber to that mix, if he can go back to being the guy he once was, absolutely that's a win for Texas when everybody thought that Rendon was going to go there because he's from the home state of Texas. You give him seven years, 210, he'll get it done. Instead, the Angels pay more money. Rangers go to plan B, which is to get Kluber, which is still a good move. But, yeah, both those teams have definitely improved the Rangers and the Angels. And then a big shocker up here in Northern California, Madison Bumgarner. We knew he didn't want to go to the American League. We thought maybe he would go closer to home in Atlanta. But he goes to Arizona, five years, $85 million, And you know there's something about him, that chip on his shoulder. He can't wait to take on the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, my original prediction had been five years, 90. So I did think he'd get 18 million years. So I was actually proud of myself. I was close on the number of relative straight to five for 85. But I thought Yankees, of course, that was at the start of the offseason before I knew the Yankees were in on Cole. So 
I was confident he was going to get paid. Um, again, he's the guy who said tremendous playoff success, but he's a good, not great pitcher in the regular season. And, you know, Mad Bum sometimes reputation can precede itself, but he's only 30. Like, that's the best thing about Mad Bum is, you know, he's been pitching since he's 19, and that's an awful lot of trend on those tires, but he's still relatively young. So, I mean, a five-year deal, maybe year five is not so good, but you can feel pretty good about years three through four, especially if what you're looking for is, you know, four ERA, 14 or 15 wins. He's going to pitch you 200 innings. And um, I think he can still be really effective. So, yeah, for his, the thing was, at one point the rumor was he's going to go to L.A., which, you know, to your point about wanting yeah. to pitch against San Francisco, could you imagine if it was Dodgers-Giants? Or he, he couldn't pull that kind of a move, but, yes, I, I'm sure he cannot wait to beat San Francisco and prove to them that he still has plenty left in the tank. Do you think Arizona has any type of shot? And, I mean, we had Tori Lovello on, love him, former A, manager of the D-backs. We had him on at the winter meetings. Great guy. But do you think they got any shot at taking down the Dodgers as of right now? Not as of right now. I mean, the Dodgers are just too good. Even if they lose Ryu, I think Bueller's an absolute stud, and he's an ace of that team. Kershaw, it's crazy to think for $250 million, but he could be the best number two pitcher in the game. And obviously their offense is just stacked. I mean, Bellinger's the MVP. Seager's wonderful. You know, Justin Turner and just so many other good players that kind of go in and out of that lineup. In addition to the fact they've got a guy like Gavin Lux who's going to be an absolute star. They've got a couple of good young arms coming up, Gonsolin as well. I know the bullpen was a little shaky at times, but I do think Gabe Roberts can mix and match, and, and Kenley Jansen's still good. Maybe he's not great anymore. But for Arizona to catch L.A., like, that's just not going to happen anytime soon. The Dodgers would have to be a little more depleted, and I share your sentiment. I do really like Tori Lavallo. He's definitely a great manager. And then it becomes big boys off the board. Where do we go next? And our old friend Josh Donaldson's out there. And there's quite a few teams that need a third baseman. You're in the prediction business. What do you think for J.D.? Well, I thought Washington could make sense. Once they lose Rendon, they go, okay, you know what? J.D., well, we'll snatch you away from the Braves. You can stay in the division, and we can give you three years, $60 million. Like, to me, that's not unheard of. He made, you know, $23 million, maybe even three years, $75. That's a pretty good total for a guy with a great season. Um, so I kind of thought the Nationals would be interesting. I still think the reason that the Dodgers could make a move only because they can always smooth guys around. I know they have a third base, but it goes for Justin Turner at second base. Now that you didn't get Rendon. So I kind of think Nationals and Dodgers myself, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get paid, and that, that's good news for, for J.D. And then another guy who's out there who's interesting and would like to have him start the season in the big leagues and not have to go what he went through last year, obviously, with the qualifying pick that was on him. But Dallas Keuchel still has some life left in that arm. And, you know, for Dallas Keuchel, he's been hurt by the fact that you know, baseball has changed a little bit now when people look at the game and the sport and they just think of the fact he doesn't have great velocity. He doesn't have those secondary numbers that he appreciates so much. But that doesn't mean the fact he still can't pitch, still can't be effective. I mean, for that six, he won a Cy Young. Who cares? His fastball tops at 91-92. Still got a great sinker, change curveball. And, yeah, it was weird how he couldn't get the deal he wanted. He ends up pitching four months a year for the Braves. But I still think he's an effective piece out there. And when you look at the pitching market now, how many big names have been swallowed up? Keiko now kind of stands as, uh, you know, the one big fish remaining. So, I don't know who's targeting him, but maybe the White Sox. They've got money they want to spend. They could use a veteran presence to help their younger pitchers. Giolito was sixth in the Cy Young voting. They've got Dylan Cease. They got Michael Kopech. The White Sox want to spend money. They they resigned Jose Abreu. They got Grandal for seventy three million. Maybe they can convince Keuchel to come to Chicago as well. And how about Castellanos? It was funny last year. So 
we had to deal with them in Detroit. Then he got traded, and we had to deal with them in Chicago with the Cubs. He had 58 doubles last year. He was a doubles-hitting machine, and he's only going to turn 28 in March. Where do you think uh, he might be ending up, and what's his market? Well, I think now maybe because Texas was opening to get Rendon, and they want to spend opening a new ballpark, maybe they refocus and they go after a guy like Castellanos. That, to me, makes some more sense. Because, like I said, I think they were going to give sevens in 210 to Rendon. You can get Castellanos, I think, for you know, five years, $100 million, maybe $90 million. I mean, he, he is a guy, you mentioned those doubles were eye-popping. He's tremendous offensively, but he's a defensive liability. You know, he can hit, but he doesn't do much else after that. So it's not like you're giving him $20 million, $25 million a year, but I do think he could be hitting nine figures because he's had a couple of really good seasons and the way the market dictates. So I wouldn't be surprised the Rangers could use some offense. Maybe they go ahead and, and pay some big money to get Castellanos. I think it's safe to say with all this money going around, baseball's pretty healthy right now. <laughs> it's always one of the biggest things I tell people, you know, whenever anyone says, oh, you know, the way the NBA is and the NFL, which nobody can dispute, obviously, but I said, listen, baseball is fine, okay? So <laughs> tell me, oh, the attendance is down 3%. Well, you know what? Gary Cole just got $324 million, okay? Rendon's getting oodles of money, $245 million. I think the sport's okay. If teams can still pay like that, I think baseball's in very, very good health. Yeah, we had all these front office people on down in San Diego, and you should have seen the look on their faces when you'd ask them the question, did you ever think you'd see a guy who's going to play once every five days, get over $300 million guaranteed, and everybody's just like, wow, never saw that coming. <laughs> well, I think about, like, I remember when Conseco signed, I want to say five years, 25, in like 1990. I mean, I was 12 at the time. I remember that being just a really big moment to me. Obviously, Nolan Ryan was the first million-dollar guy in 1980. I mean, I was two. I don't remember that. But we're going to have a moment here in the future. Our kids are going to say, hey, Someone just signed for half a billion dollars, and, and no one's going to blink. Like, we're getting to that point sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go, hey, it was a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, uh, talk to us about change-up, because the, the, the zone plays at the Coliseum as we're doing batting practice and everything. Tell us about this concept before you get out of here, about your show, Change-Up and DAZN. Well, it's been a lot of fun. It's a great partnership with Major League Baseball. And the fact that, you know, basically what's so good about baseball is all the moments as they happen, all the games as they happen. So in the case of change-up, you don't just watch one great baseball game. We're watching 12 baseball games for you. And that whip-around style built after NFL Red Zone really is the way to go. You get to see Mike Trout hit, Manny Machado hit, whoever it is. The best matchup as it happens. Oh, Tigers base is loaded against the Royals. Let's check it out in the ninth inning. Boom, here we go. And so we have the capacity to be like a remote control for the fan. I've loved the format. I had a blast with Scott Rogalski, our entire crew. Um, you know, as a lifelong baseball fan, the only thing better than one baseball game is 12 baseball games or 14 baseball games. So we've had a lot of fun, man. We're going to be back uh, in the spring with some new ideas and new segments. And uh, I appreciate the fact you guys are playing at field.co. My buddy Dallas Braden, of course, good friend from ESPN. We've had him on the show a couple of times. He's wonderful. Uh, Liam Hendricks is actually our most popular guest. He's been on the show three times. He befriended my friend, Scott Rogowski, at the All-Star Game. So we're very pro-A's on the show. I love Marcus Semien in particular. Love it. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, one day we showed up to the ballpark, and all of a sudden, there you were on the screens. We're like, what is this? It, it was, And it was, it was fascinating to, like, what are we watching? And then once we got the idea, and I think it was really when you had Liam Hendricks on where you went, yeah, they're 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 basically doing a red zone. Love it. 
easiest way to say it for people is just red zone for baseball. We all know how good red zone is in football. Red zone for baseball every single night. I've had a blast, and uh, I'm happy people are watching. Hey, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it, and uh, have a good show. We'll be watching on MLB, MLB Network. I appreciate it. Go A's and go Chuck D. <laughs> Chuck D. Didn't think you'd get a Chuck D reference in there today, huh? All right, Commander. We need to talk about a trade that has gone down. How good is it for the Texas Rangers? We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, Commander. What went down yesterday for the Texas Rangers? So the Rangers, John Daniels, not friend of the program, not yet at least, sent uh, Emmanuel Class A, who throws a 100-mile-an-hour cutter, and plus he's only 21, and uh, Delano DeShields Jr., a plus defensive outfielder, to the Indians for two-time Shy Young winner Corey Kluber, who had his option picked up for this year, which was seven, I think it was around like $18 million. And then he has an option for next year as well. So the Rangers are getting a two-time Cy Young winner in their rotation that goes along with Kyle Gibson, who they got this offseason they signed, Jordan Lyles, Mike Miner, and uh, Lance Lynn, who they signed last offseason. So a nice little staff the Rangers are put together, put together down there in Texas. Open up a new Let's not forget, when the A's were there, and I was with them at the time, Rangers had a better record than the A's. And they were over 500. And I got an article in front of me from Fangraphs. Nobody really wanted Corey Kluber. Since the start of the 2016 season, Corey Kluber has been baseball's sixth best pitcher by war. So going down the article and looking at it, Kluber will be 34 years old in April. So there were questions going into 2019 about his effectiveness. And what they you've seen is a slightly diminished velocity moving into mid-30s. Likely prevented Cleveland from trading him last offseason when no team was willing to blow them away. While it might be reasonable to expect a slightly diminished Kluber in 2019, predicting he would be hit by a comebacker that would break his forearm is more of a fluke. The oblique injury during rehab meant that Kluber didn't make it back to the majors, taking his on-field expectations and trade values to new lows. What do you think about that? All right, I got, I'm got. i seeing video of uh, Class A is how you say his name. Uh, he's blowing 101. I mean, he's throwing a cutter and a straight fastball at either 100 or 101. Wow. So, actually, you did give up something for him. I mean, DeShields Jr., I mean, it's, he's, a, he's a player. He's just a guy. But 
you have the manky, you have the makings of a kind of a brilliant relief career in front of you. If you can throw a cutter, uh, now I don't know what his control is. Haven't really read up on him, but looking at this video, you're throwing a cutter 101 miles an hour. You could be a devastating closer for years. Yeah, and he was the Rangers' number 30th prospect. So throwing 100 miles an hour at age 21, being a guy that pitched pretty well. Do they say he has control problems? Because how are you number 30 in their system throwing at 100 miles an hour? Uh, I, I just know he had the good ERA, which I looked up, and he only pitched, but he only pitched in 23 in a third innings last year for the Rangers. He had a good ERA, though, it was 2.31. I like the move for the the Indians need a power arm in their bullpen because Simber and Brad Hand are guys that don't throw hard. They get outs, but they don't throw hard. And the Indians' rotation is still pretty good. They have Clevenger. They have Bieber, Plesak. They have Tristan McKenzie coming up, hopefully, in the next year or two. They have some guys in their rotation they're going to be fine in that part. They they could have. I think moving on from Kluber was smart. Smart business could open us up cash flexibility for them. They're not going to resign Lindor, so let's not jump down. I am so tired of hearing about them and money. I mean, they are just. That's how they do. That's how they do business in Cleveland, as they no. reference a Moneyball. <laughs> You remember back in the day, Cleveland had one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Yeah, they had a good team. Well, they have a good team now too. Just run completely different. Yeah, just like they're. It's, it's like, do you got you guys have a chance to win, but you're not taking. It's like it's like they're closing their own window. They they had a window of opportunity, and Cleveland is just taking that window of opportunity, and instead of instead of it just naturally closing, they're like shutting the window. Well. You remember last year, their if owner. If you get rid of Lindor and, and Kluber, and I mean, you still have Jose Ramirez, who had a nice second half after an awful first half. But their owner flat out came out and said, yeah, we probably won't be able to afford Lindor after he's gone. Or we'll probably, I think it was something wrong or trade him by that time. The thing with the Rangers, though, let me ask you this. Do they have the best of, Do they have the best rotation in AL West now? Well, Kluber added to Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, Lance Lynn, and Mike Miner. And they still have young guys like Colby Allard who they got in the trade for, for Chris Martin last year from the Braves. So they still ha- they, they have young guys coming up with those five. That might be, on paper, the best rotation in the AL West right now for a team that, let's face it, needed some starting pitching last year behind Miner and Lynn. Now they have five guys. Kluber's going to make 17.5. And then he has an option for 18 for next year, I believe. Or a $1 million buyout. I like the move for, for Texas. I mean, you're you're banking on fluke injuries last year, and that he comes back, kind of like the Madison Bumgarner deal. Seventeen point five is less than the qualifying offer. So you're picking up veteran starting pitching. For 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 dirt cheap. Right, I mean that's that if you get Madison Bumgarner for, if you get him for. 30-something starts. You get Kluber for 30-something starts. I mean, Kluber's been a workhorse. Yeah, he fin- he won the 2017 Cy Young, and he finished second – or third. He finished third in 2018. The guy's a good pitcher. He, he only pitched seven games after because he, he had a broken form and it knocked him out for the rest of the year after – And he had an oblique. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and the line drive hit him. So, it's just – it's he's on an injury-riddled you know, injury riddled pitcher. It's just 
I don't know what Cleveland's doing with it. They did the same thing with CC Sabathia. They just moved on from him. I mean, yeah, maybe they thought their window was closing back then, but they just moved on from him and didn't really get anything. Well, they actually they did. They got Brantley in that deal, but still. Okay, I'll answer your question with a no. I don't think you can say that. And 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 once again, the great C.J. Nikowski. Best, one of the best friends of the program, our Rangers insider. friend of the program once said, hey, the reality is we all know our team better than we know the other teams, right? We deep dive into A's, and if you're a Rangers guy or you're an Angels guy, you're, you, you're, you do the deep dive into it. We don't know the other teams as well as we know our team. It's just it's – just, we watch them play every game. We get to talk to them. We get to know them. We don't get to talk, and we don't get to – I don't know Corey Kluber. I've never interviewed him. Never talked to him. I don't know what makes him tick. No clue, right? So I'm trying to say that not from a, a homer's perspective. What I'm trying to say is I don't know if you can say those names that you say for Texas are going to be better than what the A's are putting out there especially if Puck and Lazardo are the real deal. That's what we're all banking on. Yeah, correct. But it's just it's hard it's hard to say that the Rangers don't have a better rotation because they have guys that have that have been established starters in in baseball. My, Miner and Lynn were both very good last year. Lyles was up and down with the Pirates and Brewers. Kluber is a two-time Cy Young winner and the and Kyle Gibson's been uh, in my opinion he's been mediocre his entire career after being one of the top mediocre one of the top prospects and the Twins have had over the past, you know, 10 years. But I think that that rotation, they're all established. They pitch in the majors for more than a few years, opposed to where the A's are. I hear you, but if we're talking talent. Oh, the talent-wise, it's the A's have the most talented rotation. Okay, so Mike Fires, established veteran pitcher. Two no-hitters. Frankie Montas, if he doesn't get popped for whatever he was popped for, Frankie would have been in the Cy Young could have been starting the All-Star game. Completely agree. Okay. Sean Mania going to have a full offseason. Very talented. Puck and Lazardo. Those five are more talented than those five for Texas. They are far more talented than in Anaheim. Seattle. Well, I, don't, I don't, couldn't even tell you who's on sales rotation. Seattle's punting. I mean, they're, they're, they're a full rebuild. And the Astros have Verlander and Granke, and they're getting back um, Lance McCullough Jr., and that's really about it for right now. Uh, uh, and, and, and a bunch of their prospect guys got hurt. And Urquidy pitched really well in that in that game he started against the the Astros, or the the Yankees, in that the bullpen game. But, yeah, a lot of, uh, Forrest Whitley was it hurt last year, and he struggled. And, but a lot of the, they traded some of their guys away to get Granke, so who knows how they're going to be. And I'll throw in Chris Bassett. Because Chris Bassett, he's out of options. And I know they don't want to let him. So Bassett, I I mean, I see Bassett kind of, you know, maybe a long guy or maybe they're going with six pitchers to start the year out. So I, I don't think you can say there is a more talented group than what the A's are throwing out there. The A's have six legitimate arms they can choose from, plus they're going to have all these arms down at AAA with those guys chomping at the bit to get up here. So 
Fran Reardon will have a nice rotation down in Las Vegas. So to answer your question, I if 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 everything goes to plan, I think you could say the A's are far more talented. I think either way, I think it comes down to the, those are the two teams. Obviously, because Seattle doesn't have, we don't even know who's in Seattle's rotation. Uh, the Angels don't have a guy that's gone over more than ninety six innings last year. And the Astros, you still you have Granke and Verlander, that's great, but McCullers is coming up Tommy John, you don't know who the other two starters are going to be. Uh, interesting, uh, according to Jesse Sanchez, uh, who I believe he covers the Cubs, I want to say, for actually, no, he's nasty, he's now a NASA reporter for MLB.com. The Twins are closing on a deal to bring back Sergio Romo, so you can take him off the A's list as a guy they're looking at this offseason. As the opener? The opener in Oakland? Sergio Romo's the o- y- y- he is the, isn't he the original yeah. opener? Then Ryan I, Stanek is the opener. Yeah. But the original opener, first guy ever to do it, wasn't it? It was Romo, yeah. yeah. So good for him going back to Twins. When did McCullers have Tommy John? I want to say it was like last August. So it's been a full year plus for him. I wonder how, because you know they want to make it 14 months now. Look, look, up, look up to see when he had Tommy John. Because... The bottom line, they want it to be 14 months, and then your first year back, he's not going 200 innings. Sorry, he had it. it said, so according to the article from MLB.com, he had it around like November 6th of 2018. So it's been it's been a year and a month now, so 13 months. Okay. Spring. So that takes him into January. That'll be the 14 months, and then you're going to have February, March. Season now starts in March. So you're looking around like 15 and a half months. Okay, so Lance McCullers Jr. is going to give you what? He can start 30 games this year. I think, I th- well, they're going to need him to, to be honest. If they don't sign anyone, they, they're going to need him to start 30 games. Okay, Lance McCullers, for his career, the most he's ever pitched is 22 games. And that was what? Excuse was- me, no, excuse me. 25 three were in the lead the most starts Lance McCullers this actually makes me feel pretty good and I'm not rooting for injury of course but what I'm saying is the most starts he's ever made so he made 22 in 2015 he made 14 in 2016 he made 22 in 2017 and he made 22 in 2018 he's never pitched more than 20 he's never started more than 22 games he's never pitched more than 128 in a third innings he's coming off Tommy John where he missed all of 2019 and you're now telling me with what I'm what I'm showing you is that he's going to he's now going to have 30 starts they're going to need him to get close i mean i know well that year when he had the 22 that's when he got hurt so he probably pushes close to 30 if he doesn't have the top he doesn't get hurt He's never pitched more than – he's never started more than 22 games this season. That's fact. And now he's coming off Tommy John. And the way these – the way we – the way they do it now, they don't try and rush, especially at his age. They're not going to want to – 26. They're not going to want to rush him back. They're not going to want to rush him back. They're not going to say, hey, pitch 34 games. Hey, There's kid, no way. Hey, kid, we need you. We need you to get thirty. We need you to go thirty-four starts for us. Look at you trying to just throw him out there like he's. I, I just think that they're so right now. Basically, they have two starters. 
The Astros really have two starters. Two bona fide, have done it, great. Yeah. Probably both are going to be Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah, we know how I feel about Granke, so yeah, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Um, they're, they're losing Lance – or not Lance, they're losing Wade Miley. Wade Miley's gone, who was a guy that was great for them until well, September hit. He hasn't signed with anybody yet. Yeah, maybe, maybe they bring him back, but you know how they what feel about – Dallas Keuchel, former Cy Young Award winner for the Houston Astros. I don't know if they want to pay him, though. <clears throat> but they're not. We, we know their stance on left-handed pitchers. They didn't have any on the roster in the postseason. But they're going to need guys, and I think if you can get him to get – okay, if you can get 25 starts, I think that's a win for them if you're trying to build for this year because you're talking about we don't know what's going to happen with Hinch. We don't know what's going to happen with Luno. Who knows if they trade Carlos Correa or not because that's been you know that's been a rumor that's been going around. This, this is starting to look like – this could be flipped, folks. As good as the Astros have been, this really could get flipped. Like, if they, there's punishment that comes down on the Astros and you essentially have two starters that you can rely on that you're hoping you're going to get you're going to get 30 starts out of Verlander, you're going to get 30-plus starts out of, out of Grinke. Both are older, so you're hoping they don't go on the DL. And then you got three other spots in your rotation that are question marks. Uh, the only – uh, outlier argument I can make is uh, the uh, Rays made the playoffs using only two starters essentially all year. But Blake, I mean, you had Blake Snell and Morton, and then that was well, really about it. You had Yarborough and Chirinos, guys that were coming after the opener. But baseball's changing, and if they can't get those, if if Verlander and Granke don't go at least thirty starts for them, could be a uh, down year. When I say down year, I don't mean they're going to be under five hundred, but like they're not winning a hundred games. They're, oh yeah, the hundreds right now. I think you say there's no way they're winning a hundred. Well, right now, yeah, because you don't know who's going to close out the rotation, but who knows? They can go out and sign. A, a Rangers are going to be better. Angels, even though they have no pitching, they may be able just to bludgeon you with that lineup. Yeah. They're going to win games. Seattle might lose 100. Which is Seattle fine. stinks, and then you got the A's should be a 90-plus win team. The The one guy that I'm I'm afraid of Houston getting is uh, Julio Tehran, the former Braves uh, top prospect in ace. He's a free agent. He's only 29. He goes to Houston. We've seen how they turn around pitchers. Yeah, Tehran would be a guy I would not want to see sign in Houston because I'm afraid of what his potential could be. Because you look at the guys that are out there, still, so they're not gonna they're not gonna want to sign some of these guys. So, you ready for a little buying or selling to end this Monday program? By the way, is it a downer coming back from the winter meetings? A little bit. I mean, it's not a downer being um, at the chicken pie shop of, of Walnut Creek Radio Studios, but. It's a downer that we're not in San Diego. It's cold out, a little colder outside. The rain, the rain. Yeah, I think it rained yesterday. It's supposed to rain like every day, starting Wednesday or something. It's uh completely different than what it was like in San Diego. So, I'll just say this, and a bunch of people asked me yesterday at the football game, like, "Hey, how was it?" And I said, "Arguably the three best days of my career." I agree with that. I mean, I don't. I now have... we are baseball dorks. True. Well, I think a lot of people like. If they went there, they'd be like, they're not going to be excited to see Peter Gammons. Oh, we were. We saw him standing at the door. I said, like, hey, look, it's Peter. Yeah. It's a I mean, Hall of Famer right there. It's like, oh, my God. Tori Lovello came on the program. Wait, who? <laughs> I bet a lot of people are like, oh, great. You got, you know, Gabe Kapler. Who? 
They'd be like, oh, you mean the guy from the Giants that no one likes? You, you, you mean, I, most people would say, well, what players? Well, there really wasn't even players. Uh, that's not correct. Marcus Simeon was there. Oh, we, we had Marcus Simeon. Mar- he's the only player we saw. Yeah, I knew that was there or walking I'll around. I'll tell you, our guest list down there was you, 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 you did a hell of a job. Yeah, I needed a, I needed some time off. So I'm glad uh, we got these three and then some time off. All right, let's go. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. By the way, you mentioned about being baseball dorks. When you mentioned how when you take the Bill James handbook down to Matt Olson at spring training. Talk about being baseball dorks. We're carrying around the Bill James handbook at spring training. Hey, Matt, I was looking at the Bill James handbook on page 131. And it says on here how you uh, lost the most hits in baseball to the shift. How do you feel about that? He looked at us like, you guys are nerds. So, I mean, I already feel bad of being a nerd. I'm going to see Star Wars by myself on Thursday night. So, uh, nerd alert. Yeah. Well, hey, last you're going to Star Wars by yourself. I have no one to go with. We're supposed to go see Giles perform at Club Rodeo. Is that Friday night? No, Thursday night. And you're going Friday Star Wars? Uh, no, Thursday night. Movie starts at 10 over here, right by you, over in uh, Almaden. So, so what I'm doing Thursday night after the Giles concert. You already got pre-bought tickets? Uh, well, I bought them. I bought it last night. It was only 10 bucks. That I'm be, wasn't sold out. That, it's not sold out. Star not Wars yet. will be. Oh, yeah, it will yeah. be, but it wasn't last time when I bought it. So uh, we talked about it. Anthony Rendon is a Los Angeles Angel. But he's finally off the market. We predicted it was going to happen when we were leaving San Diego that he was probably going to sign. And what happened, we were walking to our flight, and uh, he signed with the Angels. He's in for the next seven years, but his excuse for signing with the Angels was interesting to me. He was born in Houston and spent the first seven years of his career in D.C., Redone is a family man. Here's what he said. I just think the environment itself, I think when people think about California, they think about straight Hollywood. That Hollywood glamour, a whole bunch of flash is so much paparazzi. But everyone said it's just the complete opposite here. He spoke highly the Dodgers organization and said the Dodger, the, the Hollywood lifestyle wasn't for him. So buying or selling, Anthony Rendon didn't want to play in Hollywood. When I saw that, I went, that's the dumbest thing. My thoughts exactly. Like, seriously, I'm selling. Los Angeles has you, you. There's so many neighborhoods in Los Angeles. You can get any kind of lifestyle you want. You want to live at the beach? You can have the beach lifestyle. You want to play the Richie Rich? You can live in Beverly Hills or Bel Air. You want to. You want to just live a suburban great lifestyle? You can live in Pasadena. There are so many options in Los Angeles, and not everywhere in Los Angeles are there celebrities. Like the celebrities want to be seen by the paparazzi, we'll hang out in Beverly Hills. But if you want to live, you don't want that, there's plenty of places you can live and not have that in L.A. I'm sorry, but how many guys in the Dodgers are um, Hollywood uh, bigger-than-life uh, movie stars? Uh, the answer to that uh, would be zero. Would be zero. So uh, I, don't, I don't buy that excuse whatsoever. So the Yankees didn't win a World Series during this past decade. It was the first time since the 1910s they didn't reach the World Series. They lost in Game 7 of the ALCS to the Astros this year. We all remember LTV hit the home run off of Chapman in Houston. The big talk all season and offseason has been their pitching staff. Well, they finally got their guy. They got Garrett Cole to sign there for an unbelievable amount of money. By the way, Scott Emerson, pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. We're going to get him on Wednesday. He just texted me, what time is the latest you can tape? 
1230? 1230. Okay. So Cole's now there. He's going to uh, – he, KMZ caught up with him. I couldn't really pick out the audio, but he's um, said he's going to shave the beard off, which he has to for New York. But anyway, that has nothing to do with it. Buyers, buying or selling the return of the evil empire is good for Major League Baseball. It's fabulous for baseball. Everyone needs every every script needs a villain, and the Yankees are the villain. Well, the Astros were before. Now it's the Yankees. Um, they are they're the Yankees. They're the biggest, baddest professional sports team in the United States of America. They've won twenty seven titles. 27. You didn't speak. 27. It's a lot. All right. Not in the last decade, though. They make they make so much money. It's stupid how much money they make. And it's their fan base is coast to coast. But most importantly, the most Americans live on the eastern seaboard, right? Fact. That's fact. And they own from basically the middle of Connecticut. All the way down to Tampa Bay. They are they're the team. So they're the most popular team in the most populated area of the United States. God, they're the most popular team in Pittsburgh and we hit the Pirates. I mean, it's just it is what it is. And you know, because when I say there's that cutoff line in Connecticut that anything above is mostly Red Sox and Red Sox Nation. But from like middle of Connecticut down to Tampa. All the way down the coast where millions upon millions of people, they're the Yankees, man. So when they're good, baseball's better because of it. I agree, and I'm, I'm happier when the Yankees are better. I'm, I'm much more I'm, – I'm happier for baseball when the Yankees are good opposed to when the Red Sox are good, mainly because I think Yankee fans are more um, bearable than uh, Red Sox fans. So The game is better when they're both good. I also agree, but I think the Yankees being the evil empire going out and buying everyone is good for baseball. Because then when they lose, it's a, it's an even better story. And it's good for baseball that the Dodgers, when your biggest markets are good, it, it's just it, it helps the game, it helps ratings. It just it's just you want big mar- like like if the World Series every year was Tampa versus Pittsburgh. Oh hey, I'd love hey, I, we, we'd it, have some issues. Yeah, even I. I mean, those are two uh, bad uh, TV markets as well. So I mean, if it's the if it's the Royals. Pass versus the Marlins, Royals, and Brewers. We got problems. Yeah. So the the A's had a relatively quiet winter meetings. While well, we would know we were down there, they're still looking for a left-handed bat for the infield and potentially a second baseman. The talks of Sheldon Noisy, Franklin Barreto, Jorge Mateo, and even Chad Pinder have begun as guys that could play second base. The Indians have reportedly had interest in Chad Pinder, but the A's probably are not going to move him. But there is one guy who can solve all these issues. And Susan Slusser reported that the A's have interest in bringing him back for a third time. Who is this mystery man? Buying or selling, Jed Lowry will be in Oakland Athletic for the third time. Oh, my God. He didn't even play last year. That, that's that's actually incorrect. Jed played nine games last year. <laughs> he, he actually played yeah, he for played, the Mets? He said he played nine games, yeah. No. <laughs> nine games. Uh, he is owed twenty. He's owed ten million dollars for twenty twenty. So the Mets will pretty much have to take hey, on all of it. If the Mets will pick it up, I'll take him in a second. What would he have to lose? Yeah, no, you have nothing to lose. And there's something about Jed in Oakland that works. Jed stays healthy, and Jed's productive for the A's. Jed, Jed has had one of the best years in A's history. 
He had a lot of doubles uh, in 2018. 48? Yeah, 48, 49. Something like that? Yeah, it was, he had a great year. And hitting third. Like, Bob Melvin, you're hitting third every game. And he's a Stanford kid. So he uh, knows we, If you could get Jed Lowry back healthy, and he's 30, I think and he's 35. I'm buying. Yeah, I'd buy too. He's 35. He'd be great in that lineup. All right, last one. The AOS is stacked. The Astros are still talented. The A's are still talented. The Angels are better. The Rangers are better. And, uh, hey, the Mariners have fried grasshoppers and Mitch Hanniger. Proud of the Bay Area. But now that Anthony Rendon is in the division, we have three really good third basemen. And, well, I guess you can put Kyle Seeger in there when he's healthy. He's pretty good. Bregman finished second AL MVP voting. Matt Chapman is a wizard defensively, winning back-to-back platinum gold gloves. And, again, you have Anthony Rendon, who was an all-star for the first time last year with the Nationals. So buying or selling, Anthony Rendon is now the best third baseman in the AL West. Nah, I'm selling Bregman. I'll take Bregman over him. Same. I would too. But the question is, Rendon or Chapman? Defensively, it's Chapman by a mile. I got to give a lot of love to a guy who just won a World Series. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not saying Chapman's – it's tough because they're right – Defensively, he's so much better than Rendon, but offensively, Rendon had the better numbers. Yeah, I mean Chapman still has to put a full season together with consistency. Yeah, and he's still and he's younger, so who knows? He can go out there and hit forty home runs next year. We're going, hey, he's the best. Oh, yeah. he's the best third baseman in the in. But in right baseball. now, I mean, I mean, I gotta go with the guy who just won the World Series. Yeah, he had a um, bless my check. He had a pretty good season for the Nationals. Uh, that's all I have. We'll save the rest for Wednesday. Hold on, I want to see real quick. I want to see his numbers real quick. How much time we got? Um, about a minute and a half. Okay. Uh, by the way, Russo, friend of the program, Chris Mad Dog Russo, said that the Yankees are no one's no one's better than the Yankees in the American League. They're the best team in the American League. He thinks they're the best team in baseball right now. And then his producer said, "I think you need to keep an eye out for the A's and the Rays in the American League." Hey, uh, Rendon hit three nineteen, thirty four bombs, hundred and twenty six RBIs, hundred and seventeen runs scored, and had an OPS. Of over a thousand, uh, Rendon had a really good year. I mean that 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 may I might even like. I think we have to study Bregman versus Rendon a little more, looking at these numbers and a six point three WAR. All right, that is going to do it for A's Cast Live. Continue to listen because we will replay the show. Because odds are you didn't get to hear all of it. And then we got all kinds of new stuff coming up on A's Cast. We're going to have all kinds of a new A's Unfiltered from the winter meetings with all of our great guests. We're going to have a new Green and Gold History segment coming up. So enjoy A's Cast through the holidays. A's Cast powered by TuneIn. But we got a little more A's Cast live for you. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.